And good morning. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. We got a busy day ahead of us. Much to do today. Coming up later on this hour. We're doing a lot of Hall of Fame stuff today. We're going to talk with our buddy Clark Judge, Talk of Fame Network. Obviously a Hall of Fame voter. Want to get his thoughts as next year, Terrell Suggs, Marshall Yonda on the ballot. We'll also talk about the fallout from the Super Bowl and the Ravens and the, the whole thing. we got a lot to cover with Clark Judge. But then later on, it's our annual breakdown of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees. We've been doing this with our buddy Spiro Marikis for the last few years. I spent a lot of time last night with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees list, and it's rough for me because, and Spiro's going to be mad, because I know Spiro will have, like, a bunch on his list that will be like, no, no way. But I don't feel that way about this year's class, this year's nominees. It's weird. I don't think there are as many overwhelming slam dunk nominees. Like, I only think there's actually a couple of those. But I think that most of them are ones that I would say, yeah, I'm good with them being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If they're qualified. The fact, this used to be a debate like, whoa, what's Rock and Roll about Mariah? We're over that. Like, it's not a, we just say Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you might as well call it like the Music Hall of Fame. It's just kind of what it is. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll dive into it. We'll let them talk a little bit about Towson as well as they get ready for a road game tonight at William & Mary. But our buddy Spiro Marikas, longtime Towson play-by-play voice, we will uh, break down the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees with him a little bit later on. Also this morning, um, Kansas City Chiefs assistant quarterbacks coach, qu- offensive quality control coach, and former Stevenson University quarterback Dan Williams will check in with us. This one's a bit more begrudging than it's been in the past. Like, I'm going to say I'm happy for him, but the truth is I'm not remotely happy for him. Come on, man. They beat the Ravens. I'm not happy. And uh, before we get out of here today, we'll preview uh, Stevenson lacrosse season, which gets underway on Saturday night with the uh, head coach and lacrosse Hall of Famer Paul Cantabene. So that's all coming up on the program today. Today's show is brought to you by Superbook. Do we have any NBA All-Star odds yet like the uh you know like the 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 three-point contest between Steph Curry and so mm. did you see what Steph Curry did last night? Um yeah, I did. I still don't know that I believe that it's real. I still don't know. Like I know there's a bunch of different videos and the whole th- I'm still not sure I believe it's real. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I am struggling with it. Um, all right, hold on. Yeah, you think you got it? Yeah. So this is before the game. I don't even know what they did in the game. Who cares? <laughs> I don't even know who they're playing. Who cares? The Suns beat the Pistons. The Wizards lost, but uh, what's his face scored a bunch of points. Dad playing without. So this is just that, that was it. yeah, just went in. Okay. Sorry, I, I love, can't see it. Yeah, yeah, I know. So I'll, I'll loop it again. We'll play it again. For those that are just with us on audio, I guess I should have described it better. He's in he's, the tunnel. He's walking back towards the locker room. And from the opposite tunnel, he turns and just throws the ball. It's not a shot. He just chucks the basketball towards the basket on the other side of the floor and sinks it. 
Now, to my knowledge, he's not like tried this five times and on the fifth one it went in. He's just walking, stops, takes the ball, and fires it the other way down like a quarterback would and chucks it into the basket. And I am to understand it's totally real and totally legit, but I am struggling with it. I am struggling to believe that's true. Unfortunately, you can't get odds still yet on uh, the weekend festivities, but I have no doubt they'll be up soon. In the meantime, uh, you can get in on all the other NBA action. Get your futures bets in on the NBA title. Nuggets currently the second favorite at plus 450. I like that. I think that if I were to put some action in right now, it would be in on the Nuggets at plus 450. Uh... I wish I felt stronger about the Suns' chances, but hey, Bradley Beal got hurt again this week, which is weird because that almost never happens. Crazy. They lost a. Uh, crazy. I mean, the the the, the Drew Eubanks and what? And the Isaiah Stewart thing. What about it? It was like. Who cares? I mean, we're talking <laughs> NBA right now. It seems like. Wait, 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 uh, wait, like who cares? You're talking, talking Suns. Yeah, I mean, I they have real players. I um. Yeah, I guess. Was... Well, they do. Just Bradley Beal is going to get hurt four more times. Before the, well, the Pistons don't. They, no, they don't. The Pistons sure don't. They're they miserable. They got Kate Cunningham. They're mm-hmm. miserable. Um, yeah, apparently. Um, was Isaiah Stewart arrested? Was that the story? Yeah. Well, and then he they, they quickly released him. Like, he posted bail or something. It's yeah. It's crazy. I, don't, I mean, who cares? Like, I, I mean, there's all due respect. They're, that's a money laundering sk- fran- scheme. Like, that's not an NBA team. So... Um, but it's nuts. Yeah, this season. Yeah, it's it's nuts. It's nuts. So um, my favorite part of the Steph video is uh, Paul George. He has no clue what's going on. He's just because he's just putting up shots. Well, who would know what's going on? Like it's I not. Mean, it's know. not everyone, like it was everyone kind of lost their. It's mind not like it was a bit. production. It's not yeah. that the, my understanding. He just did this. Like he just stopped and turned and flung the basketball. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. By the way, uh, before the season. I just wanted to go back and check what my preseason NBA futures were in the Apprentice Show Press Box. My preseason NBA futures were Wizards under 22 and a half wins. Where are they at right now? 11, I think. Not even. They they get hot here. Yeah, they're not going to get hot, Griffin. They're the Wizards. Have you heard of them? What do you mean, if they get hot? I nailed that one. I don't even know if they have 11. I think they have nine. It's, uh, hang on a second. You might be right. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I know. By the way, that video courtesy of NBC Sports Thank uh, Bay you, Area. NBC Sports Bay Area. Appreciate all your hard work. You've always come through for us. And nine and forty-five, the Washington Wizards. I'm so sure I'm not going to win that bet. All you got to win is thirteen, fourteen. Is there games? a way for me to quadruple down on that? God, I wish you'd get more action on that. And I also had Chet Holmgren to win Rookie of the Year, and everybody said, "Well, that's crazy." It's going to be Wemby. Don't look now. Chet Holmgren, the betting favorite to win Rookie of the Year in the really? NBA. Yep. What can we get Wemby at? Yep. Uh, I think it's like plus 180, something like okay. that. Like, it's not crazy. Interesting. But uh, Interesting. What, what was uh, Chet at the beginning of the season? Uh, when, I, this is, when I got it, it was plus 350. By the time it published, it was already down to plus 250. Mm. But uh, I got him at plus 350, and I was very happy about that. Because, as I said, one of these teams is a real team. The other team is not. And the other team might be inclined to prioritize development over victories. 
and there's a history of guys who were hurt their first year that ended up getting rookie of the year in their second year. So, some of us thought this thing through a little bit. Not saying it's over. In fact, let's give it. Let's give it. Give him the trophy now. I would be inclined. I, I would have to look at what I could cash out for. I got to go back and check that. I would be inclined to at least consider it at some point. Uh, but feeling good about those picks. Feeling good about those. All right, uh, Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code Glenn Clark twenty three when you sign up. You'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. Again, Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. So um, to, today is day one of spring training for the Baltimore Orioles, and it does, of course, hit a little bit different. Now, th- there's nothing really to preview. They're going to go stretch. Like uh, That's pretty amazing. Always the humorous part about the excitement that comes with like the words pitchers and catchers reporting. Like it's it's a neat com it's a neat sentence to hear, but it means next to nothing. Not nothing nothing, but next to nothing. They're not even playing games still for a few more weeks, and even those who really cares, although Glory B, our our Masson friends are gonna let us watch two more of them this year. Just not going to let their broadcasters go to Sarasota to do it. Which ba- is baby just, steps. Baby steps, right? It's, no, just, it's just so strikingly stupid. Like, I can't. I I try not to be too negative about these things. And, hey, there's new ownership coming, so maybe this stuff will get fixed. I pray. I pray that this stuff will get fixed. But it's just so strikingly dumb. What are you doing? Why would... You want the team broadcasters to be in Sarasota, getting to know the players, getting to know the managers, so they'll have... Oh, man, I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, the hiccups hit me. So they have more to talk about during the course of the year. It's it's just so... And plus, the fact that you interchange the radio broadcasters and the TV broadcasters half the time, I... Oh, my gosh. What is going on today? You need... Trying to think, wait, you need a drink of water? Or? I don't know. It's weird. It's a really weird time Wash to have like, hiccups goose. here. Yeah, right. A nice, delicious goose flights lager will cure your hiccups. That's what they always say. One hundred percent guaranteed, but not at all. What? This is going to be a battle. Like, this is going to be a challenge for um, me to try to do a show while also having the hiccups. Look at that. Do, do I need to do something? I'm what do I like? I've I... never had this happen. I've done this. You've never gotten the hiccups on the air. N- never. This has never guess, occurred to me in my life. Who gets the hiccups? Right, right. It's like when, well, I get the hiccups. Well, yeah, not really. This is bizarre. <laughs> I've never had this happen before. I don't know if Goose Flights will fix it, but I'm willing to give it a try. Goose Flights, available in cans at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane, at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton. Also available in cans and sixes. At Guilford All Brewery and Station North, Costasin and Dundalk, six packs and cases at the wine source in Hamden. It goes to support the Goose Flights Foundation. One ninety-eight from every can sold will go to their work, continuing Tony's, Tony's legacy, providing non-emergency medical transport for those in need. Pressboxonline.com/slash/gooseflights in order to find out more. I think I'm okay. Good I job. Think. Good job. It was a hell of a battle. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want them there? And again, I, I assume they're doing more games on radio than they are during spring training, but maybe they're not doing that. And that, like, when you can interchange them from TV to radio, 
I'm... It's just so, like, why, you know what the reaction's going to be the moment you make that decision. It, presumably, you have a team, a hotel in Sarasota. Like, if you don't, what the F is going on? If everybody's lodging is up to themselves. It's on an Air- Airbnb. What is going on? But, I mean that in general, what is going on? Like, what is happening? It's so bizarre, man, that these just little things. As a lot of people have pointed out, there should be a broadcast available for every spring training game. I'm not saying I would watch it, and I know that you're going to say, well, you can't justify it. You don't have to do the whole shebang for all of them. You can say, hey, these are going to be minimal broadcasts, because I get it. You're going to say you can't justify the amount of people that would actually be watching them during the course of the day. I understand. I actually do. Although I would tell you that, like, having broadcasted certain levels of college sports, you can put together a pretty good broadcast without spending a ton of money. It can't. It can be done. I promise you. Just so weird. It's so weird that these little things continue to be things that, like, I, you pray that it gets fixed. I don't know if you guys saw the David Rubenstein. Maybe we should have pulled that clip. The David Rubenstein interview yesterday on Bloomberg. First time he is addressed in any way his expected soon-to-be ownership of the Baltimore Orioles. Didn't say a lot, as this was an interview that was more about business things than it was about anything else. The, the interviewers veered into the concept of whether it makes sense for, like, companies to start buying sports teams uh, the way that we've seen with European soccer teams and ultimately ended up bringing it up and he gave a what feels almost like a canned answer but it was a totally fine answer about why he wants to buy the Baltimore Orioles it was basically probably what you want to hear I mean until we can hear more and get more specific answers about what he intends for his ownership to look like, but he said he wanted to give back to his hometown, he enjoys sports, and it's a good investment. Now, if you want to be cynical, you'd say that the good investment part of that answer makes you worried, right? Like that he's just trying to profit off of the team and he's going to he's going to choose profit over winning. The Boston Red Sox are an example of a team that appears to be more more concerned about profit than winning at the moment. Now, to be fair, they're not that far removed from having won a World Series. But right now, Red Sox fans are furious. Just sign Jordan Montgomery. But instead, the Red Sox are announcing projects with Netflix, to which their fans say, why would any of us want to watch this if the team's not going to be good, they might not be as bad as what they might not. I mean, it's baseball; they could win well, not, a couple I mean, extra games. They could, of course, they could. But I understand their point. Like, I I don't know who these shows are supposed to be for. I've said before, you guys love Hard Knocks. I'm sorry, right. I don't. It's not my thing. Well, yeah, I guess Hard like Knocks doesn't. It, it would require if they were doing a live Hard Knocks, like they, you know, like they, like the actual Hard Knocks is. Like you're following them week by week. But yeah, this like this isn't gonna come out until December, like well after the season's over. So 
I, it I, does seem a little odd. I would I would add to it. So you're saying even though you like Hard Knocks, yes. if Hard Knocks was at the end of the year, if they uh, waited I mean, until the end of the year and then went back and looked at it. I don't know. I mean, it, I guess because quarterback was kind of like that. Like, quarterback was good. These things are not I, – I don't know. They're not – maybe quarterback might be more interesting. I never spent any time with quarterback, and so I'd have to look at it. I've tried Hard Knocks. I don't care about the team. If I don't care about the team, I'm just not going to be interested in the show. I've always thought that like these, and maybe they can prove otherwise. Maybe because I like training camp. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the goofiness of all of it to me, and I get it. Like the access is neat, and I remember watching it at a younger age. Like, wow, this access is crazy. But all you have now is access. Like, thanks to social media, so it's like seeing these things is not as crazy as it once was. So I may again. I maybe I'm in the minority. But I understand the point. If Red Sox fans aren't interested in the Netflix show about the Red Sox, who's it supposed to be for? Like, what? I, who's watching this? And maybe that'll prove to be wrong because the the people will be interesting and there'll be explosive scenes and it'll get attention or whatever, but I, I have no idea who it's supposed to be for. There was another NFL show that wasn't Hard Knocks, that was something else that, like, Amazon Prime did a couple years ago. <sighs> Not like the... Because the CW is doing that Inside the NFL show. Well, Inside the NFL has existed for an eternity. It used to yeah. be on H- HBO. They just moved it, or Showtime, or whatever it was. They just moved it to the CW. That show has been around for 50 years. Um, Amazon Prime, no, partnered with a team. And I can't remember if it was who it was. But Amazon Prime, a couple years ago, did this. And I was just like... I. It's almost like every team has one. The Cardinals did one like on YouTube. But why would anyone watch it? It's the Arizona Cardinals. Who gives a flying F? Although it did give us the legendary um, uh, Jonathan Gannon standing up in front of the team. Like, who rode the bus to work speech. That was just so breathtakingly stupid. You got fire in your gut? Yeah, you got fire in your gut? Uh, Apparently the answer was no. (laughs) By the way. Apparently... They were uh, no. They were competitive. In what way? They only lost the Ravens by seven. Yeah, that's a great point. They had a couple games that weren't embarrassing. Yeah, great. Exactly. Point. Yeah, great point. They were one of the worst teams in football, Griffin. They didn't have the fire in their gut. Kyler Murray was all right when he came back. Just take the don't get it twisted. Josh Dobbs. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. It'll be my favorite. What? Get what twisted? Fire in your gut. Don't what? don't get your gut twisted. I well, I agree with that. That actually is good sentiment. Try not you to get fire in your gut. My guts were a little twisted because of all the dip that I consumed this weekend. <laughs> I had some twisted guts. That was the only thing that thing offered to us. I don't know, but the Red Sox are an example of a team where their fan base would tell you that they think their ownership is more concerned about profit than they are about winning. So if you're cynical, you hear that answer from David Rubenstein yesterday, and you say, "Oh." It's a good investment. It's because he's worried about profit. I want to give back to my hometown. Okay, but in what way? In in the... I would like to partner with the Orioles to do some charitable things. In the... does Do you think giving back is I spend more of my money to allow them to win? These are the types of things that, like, again, we would want to follow up on here. This is not... This Bloomberg show's responsibility to follow up on these topics. They are a business show that are asking a businessman business questions. Ironically, of course, there's the 
the part where Michael Bloomberg is part of the David Rubenstein group and, of course, is the guy that owns Bloomberg. So that part's a little weird. And they're talking about that for a little bit. I'm... I want to know more. I want to hear more. And again, this this won't happen until after his bid is approved. But I would like to know more about David Rubenstein's vision for the Baltimore Orioles. I'm good so far. His answer was all good. I just want to know more about what that vision look like, looks like. That's, you know... Hopefully something that we'll get to hear before the season begins. That would be swell. But spring training is underway officially, and they're doing some stretching, and I bet it's the greatest stretching that's ever happened. I bet it is A1 Can't level Can't wait to see stretching. more videos. Guys stretching. Gunner touching his toes. Yeah, there you go. That's the good stuff. Doing arm circles. Don't get me wrong. It's much different than that than when it was Rio Ruiz that was doing arm circles. <laughs> Way different. If you're going to be watching somebody do arm circles, way better for it to be Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Burns doing arm circles. But still, it's just a date on a calendar for all of us that aren't part of the team. The team, big day. Everybody else, just a date on the calendar. All right, uh, let's get into a, a little football conversation this morning. Always a pleasure to be joined by our next guest. Of course, longtime NFL writer, Talk of fame, too, and a Hall of Fame voter. And that becomes a little bit more interesting next year for us here in Baltimore. Joining us now, he is our friend, Mr. Clark Judge. He's back with us on GCR. Clark, it's Glenn. It's always great to catch up with you, sir. Thanks for taking the time for us this morning. Yeah, my pleasure, Glenn. Good time to be a Baltimore Orioles fan, right? It's a really good time to be a Baltimore Orioles fan, Clark. We are, uh, it's, it's, as you know, there have been some dark ages, and we've been through a lot, so... <laughs> Uh, pitchers and catchers reporting has not always hit like this for us. We are very excited. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, when I lived in Baltimore and covered the Colts and then the later the NFL, the Orioles were good. I mean, that was the yeah. early 80s, and they were good, and they were fun to see. But uh, it's, just, it's just so good to have them back on the map. I, I'm, I'm really grateful for that, for not just the Orioles, but for Major League Baseball. All right, so I just want to present this to you, and I'll get into some Hall of Fame conversation with you. But sure. I, I gave this to uh, our friend Drew Forrester yesterday. We do a little silly Would You Rather Wednesday segment. And I said, would you rather bet everything you have that Patrick Mahomes will ultimately end up matching Tom Brady's Super Bowl total wins or that he wins no more than one more for the rest of his career? So I'm going to That's pull- an easy one for me. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I'll take door number two. Why is that? Because... Um- it's just it's a it's a different era. It's different. I mean, I realize it's still a salary cap era, but um, with all the money being sunk into the contracts of quarterbacks these days, um, it's very hard to, to keep teams together. Honestly, I thought the Chiefs this year winning was somewhat of a fluke. To be honest with you, I mean, Baltimore should have beaten them if if you know Todd Munkin just run the ball. I mean, I, I, I to this day I've not heard of an explanation. Why don't you run the ball when you're number one rushing team in the league and they can't stop the run? Their secondary is good, so let's try to beat them with a pass. That made no sense. And then you go to San Francisco. San Francisco has a better team. They didn't have the better coach. didn't have the better quarterback. But we know about Kyle Shanahan. Don't get me started on that. I covered the, the 49ers for years, and Kyle Shanahan just does not learn his lesson. So he can't help himself. But in any case, um, I look at the AFC 
and there's uh, there are a lot more hurdles there. Houston's going to be really good with C.J. Stroud, and that team's in the right direction. Joe Burrow's not going to stay hurt forever. Um, you've got him. You've got Baltimore. Uh, you've got Josh Allen in Buffalo. There are a lot of hurdles to clear there. And and Travis Kelsey is 34, is going to turn 35. I mean, we, he declined during the regular season. Now we saw what he did in the playoffs. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I don't see – I, I don't see anyone reaching Tom Brady, what he did. I mean, listen, he got his last one at the age of 43. Um, now I realize Mahomes has got a lot of time, but let's be honest, guys. I mean, he didn't have a particularly good season. Well, I mean, it was okay, but, um, you know, in, in the Super Bowl, he didn't have a particularly good Super Bowl until he did, and that was the overtime when it yep. mattered. But um, San Francisco could have put him away in those first three series of the second half they just were borrowing from the Ravens' playbook. Let's not run the ball. Let's just throw them to death. And <sighs> and you got the best running back in the game, and they didn't do it. So, no, I'll take door number two. I just don't think it'll happen. You say he's a great quarterback. He's talented. But this runaway talk about it being the best ever. God, please, you know, people have lost sight of it. There's no talk about Joe Montana. We've forgotten him. We've gotten Peyton Manning. We've gotten John Elway. And, and obviously, it's United. I'm talking to Baltimore people. He's the best I saw. But Otto Graham, 10 years. 10, 10 championship games, seven titles. Well, how can you argue with that? So, I mean, God, and we retired. When he retired, he was the MVP. Clark, I actually, I actually agree with you. That was the way that I said I would go on this silly scenario. But it is interesting to me because what's what's terrifying about the Chiefs as constructed is, to your point, they weren't that good. Their defense was very good, obviously. But what they their defense was good. Yeah. What they were was opportunistic and they it mm-hmm. was th- killing them they are they're zombies like you can't they just continue to come back to life somehow and you make a mistake and we saw obviously the punt thing on Sunday they're gonna and that's what makes them so Patriots-esque to me like that's the part of them yeah that's true that, that's true that, I don't I don't disagree that makes me fear that is just that like their yeah. ability to say if 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 everything is on the level, you know we're gonna be okay. If you screw up, you're losing. Like it, that's the way it's gonna go. You have to almost play perfectly because the moment you screw up, we are taking advantage of it. We are not wasting our opportunities. Yeah, but but the Ford Niners didn't have to play perfectly. They didn't. I mean, they, they were they only scored ten points in the first half with the genius, you know, Kyle Shanahan. Oh, they got ten points. Right. Okay, you get right. the ball first and ten at the forty-four and start the second half. You're up ten-three. You've got an easy shot to go up two scores, whether it's a field goal or it's a touchdown. So you've got the best running back in the game. Give him the ball, right? Of the next nine plays, they ran once. Once. That was it. Nice. And, and so there you go. I mean, if you play into their hands, you want to just do what you want to do instead of just saying what common sense says, um, then go ahead, play that game. But also, I'd, I'd go back. It's funny because, as you said, it, it is um, – they they were the better team in these games. They they deserve to win. But the Buffalo game, Buffalo had a shell of its defense left. They had so many injuries. I'm surprised Buffalo even got to the playoffs. So they got wiped out in that London game against Jacksonville. They lost three starters there. They lost a fourth the next weekend. So and then their linebacker crew, they were signing guys off the streets, and they still made it a game. Um, and then you, the the Baltimore game, I, I just that 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 one just <sighs> beside. I, I can't get that one. And then yeah. San Francisco, Dre Greenlaw. Dre Greenlaw is a great player. He's yeah. a great player. And and that was a freak injury. And did you see, I don't know if you saw the, the mock-up or the workup on what his replacement did. They had nine targets on his replacement. All nine were completed for over 100 yards. I mean, that's not going to happen if he's in there. That Those things happen. I understand it. 
but they always seem to happen to the Chiefs. Why is that? I don't know. It's that is it is the, that's the part that's scary to me. They, it seems like they've got like the horseshoe up their ass, Clark. That's something yeah, like that might be going on. All right. Um, I, I, I one of the reasons I want you on is I was having this conversation with Scott Garceau over the weekend. I I think it's going to be compelling for you guys when you get in the room next year. And I'm not. You know, I, I've, I've had enough of these conversations with you and other, my other friends that are in the room that, like, I, I get it. It's extraordinarily difficult because you look at that list and there's a bunch of Hall of Famers on that list every year. And so when everybody mm-hmm. loses their mind about somebody like Antonio Gates, you say, yeah, I mean, Antonio Gates is great. But, like, who's not supposed which, – which guy went in that you say is not a Hall of Famer? And I, I completely understand where you guys are coming from. And with that, like, the Ravens three for three so far – Every single one of these guys, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Jonathan Ogden, has been an easy, surefire, first ballot Hall of Famer. And I think this next year, when Terrell Suggs and Marshall Yonda go into the room, will be the first time for Ravens fans they learn that it do- like these are great players, but it might not always work that way. What's your gut tell you? Right. Uh, that's exactly what my gut tells me. Listen, Jared Allen's sitting there waiting, and he has, uh, what, 136 sacks, and that's three and a half fewer than Jason Taylor, who was a first ballot Hall of Famer in 2017. Jared Allen's in his fifth year this year as a finalist. Still can't get into that top five. I'd say, yeah, probably Suggs is, is probably going to wait. I'm not, I'm not telling you he's going to, but I'm going to guess he, he probably will. I mean, look at that list next year. Keekley's coming out. Manning's coming out. Suggs is coming out. Yonda, Yonda to me, is different, though. Guards. I mean, what do we think of guards? Not much, honestly. I mean, that's, and I'm not saying that that's the way it should be. You look at Will Shields was one of the most compelling candidates we've had in the last 20 years. Um, he, he went to a zillion Pro Bowls, a zillion first-team All-Pros, all decades. He missed, I think, like one game, if, if that. Um, so he was, he was bulletproof. He waited four years. And for whatever reason, we've got blind spots and guards and, and, and centers, but basically offensive linemen. And the reason is because there's no tangible stats. How do you measure who's better than whom? You just really don't know. I mean, you have to sort of rely on the eye test and what other people say. But but um, that one's easy for me because we've got this year, we had Jari um, uh, Evans, and he might have been one of the top two most decorated players in that group, and he didn't make the top ten. Okay, so um, But it's only the second year of eligibility. But um, so that's going to be more interesting because you've got a guy who's in line ahead of him, Jared Allen. And the question will be, do you think Suggs jumps the queue and then jumps Jared Allen, even though he's been waiting five years? Um, Do you think he's a better player and a much better player? Okay, go ahead. I I think that'll be the question. Um, It doesn't mean they both can't go in, but there's so many Hall of Fame eligible people next year. I think next year, the class in general is going to be much stronger than it was this year. I didn't think this year was particularly strong overall. It's at the top of it, it was. Um, and you mentioned Gates. I mean, I think that you could say one of the reasons Gates didn't make it is just because we're not real uh, keen on tight ends either. To Kellen Winslow, do you think Kellen Winslow is a better tight end than Gates? I, I personally do. I covered Kellen, but Kellen waited three years. Okay. Um, then you go John Mackey. I think wouldn't Mackey wait? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's 15 yeah, years. Yeah. Um, and Ditka 12. Or, I mean, but um, that doesn't make it right. I, I looked at Gates. He had 116 touchdowns, only six receivers had more. I'm not talking about tight ends. Six receivers. He had more than any tight end, including Tony Gonzalez. We made him a first ballot Hall of Famer in 2019. So doesn't it figure that Gates should kind of follow that script? And the answer was no. And when you said, who better? I, I, I agree with you on who would you take out. They're all Hall of Fame worthy. But do you think Gates was one of the top 
five people in here. If you're going to assume that they're all Hall of Fame worthy, but was he one of the top five? I would have said yes. I would have said yes, he was. So let me let me go back to something for a second, if I could, Clark. Clark Judge is with us, Talk of Fame too. Um, I understand everything you're saying about Marshall Yonda. Scott brought up to me that Marshall was a unanimous all-decade selection and mm-hmm. reminded me that it's the same group of voters for all-decade. Does that matter? No, I, I don't think so. Not with not with offensive linemen. I don't. I just don't. And I, I don't know that I mean, that'll come up. That's going to help his case. There's no question. But um, I just don't think that's going to that's going to drive it because I just know the history of guards and centers. I mean, centers is we put in three and I think something like 23, 24 years, something like that. But um, guards, as I said, the Will Shields to me is the uh, example here. Exhibit A. It was he better than Will Shields? I'll tell you, no, he wasn't. I I, I saw Will Shields, saw Marshall Yonder. They're both terrific players. They're both great players. But do you want one or the other? And and I would take Will Shields. And we he waited four years. So if that's the case, he's probably going to make Marciana wait uh, uh, some. He's going to get in. I mean, that's the, 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 the thing that I always tell people is I don't get really too excited about the first decade, uh, the first, I'm sorry, first uh, ballot right, Hall of Famer, right. um, as opposed to second or third, because, you know, the old adage of what do they call the guy who graduated last in his uh, class yeah, at the doctor. School of Medicine? Yeah, right, yeah I call him right. a doctor. So right. the same thing here. You, you, you're elected in your 20s here, you're Hall of Famer. You're elected in 10th, you're Hall of Famer. Elected first, you're Hall of Famer. Among the, these guys, yeah, they have a sort of protocol where they first ballot, that means something. If you listen to Deion Sanders, it means everything, you know. Um, but to me, the first ballot is reserved for somebody whose name you mention and you sit down. So you say, for instance, Jim Brown, well, right. sit down. You say, for instance, Ray Lewis, sit down. John Unitas, okay? Um, Marciano's going to need some explanation. Terrell Sugg's going to need some explanation. Um, so um, uh, that's, that's not real um, ordinary. I mean, it's very rare that we get people like that. But the last one I think of that I, that I think I think of was Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. No reason to talk about. It. We're putting him in. Let's get it over there. Right. Right. Um, correct. And usually it's with quarterbacks, but it's almost always with skilled position guys. So you know, the Rices, the Browns, um, yeah, that's that sort of thing. All right. Before I let you go, Clark, you brought up Eli Manning. I, I think to me this is yeah. one of the most <laughs> fascinating conversations of all time because if you surely that's where at, I thought you were going when you're going to talk about next year. Well, I mean, it's I look I, like I I would say me personally, and again, I don't have a vote, but like I. I get why Eli Manning's going to be a Hall of Famer, but it's almost crazy to me that Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer because if you take away two Super Bowl ri- there's no argument for Eli Manning as a Hall of Famer without those two Super Bowls. But does is that so strong, and the fact that he beat Tom Brady both times, that it elevates his career to like first ballot Hall of Fame because no. of it? No, Glenn, listen, I'm, I'm in unison with you on this one. Um, I think he had Hall of Fame moments, and he didn't have a Hall of Fame career. You look at his one-loss record, I think it speaks for itself. Um, he won as many games as he lost. Um, I, and, and I don't think you can use that argument if he didn't win those Super Bowls. Well, what if well, right. Joe Namath didn't happened. win yes. that Super Bowl yeah. against the Colts? Yep. You know, he's not in. What yep. if uh, Tom Brady didn't win those seven rings? Oh, okay, yeah, all, right. Yeah, yeah. all right, I get it. Um, but um, to me, the best game Eli Manning played was in those two Super Bowls. You look at the 2011 Conference Championship game. That was one of those courageous games I've seen anyone play. Troy Aikman did the same thing in the 94 championship game. Same place, San Francisco. Um, Aikman lost, but it was one of the best performances I'd ever seen. Courageous, kept picking himself up after he got beaten to a pulp. 
Same thing with Manny. It's different as far as Manny won. Now, um, you can make the argument in both those Super Bowls that it wasn't Manny so much as it was the Giants' defense. doesn't matter. He was the quarterback who threw the pass to David Tyree, and maybe it wasn't the pass that was great. Maybe it was his escape of Manny from what seemed to be a certain sack. But anyway, he did it, and they pulled off the improbable. But someone said to me, well, you know, that's Namath. Namath did the same thing. No, Namath elevated a league. He brought the AFL up to almost equal standing with the NFL, but he gave it credibility. He just you beat a team that hadn't lost before. And that's certainly special, puts him in a special place. But is it enough to overcome the other criteria that we talk about? He wasn't even an all-pro. I mean, and so if, if you're not the best or one of the best of your era, why do we make you one of the best of all time? If you're not one of the greatest of your era, why are you the, one of the greatest of, of all time? And so uh, I, I really want to hear the arguments. I've heard people say first ballot in my mind, no question. There's no way. There's no way that's going to happen. Um, they, they, I know it's a, it's a polarized argument. There are people on both sides that are dug in. I'm kind of dug in on one. I, I'm willing to listen to the other side. I also agree with you that eventually do I think he's going to get in. Yeah, I, I think eventually, because sometimes the arguments just sort of wear people down. I think he was a really, really good quarterback, but it's not the Pro Football Hall of Fame of really, really good players. Yeah. It's a Pro Football Hall of Fame. And so, um, Glenn, I'm, I'm right worthy on this. Um, I, I think that's going to be a really interesting debate. We had a debate this year that lasted 70 minutes on one candidate, wow. and it was uh, partisan and it was emotional. I think this is going to be the same. Wow. Wow. That is fascinating. I'd love to. Uh, now, you see, now you throw that out there, and I'm dying to know who it was. I've got some guesses, but, uh, you know. Maybe. Oh, no. No, I'll tell you who it was. Okay. I'll tell you who it was. Who it was Buddy it? Parker. It was Buddy Parker. Okay. Yeah. He's the um, yeah. contributor candidate. Yeah. And, um, and, and it was very emotional, and I, I was one of those who was pitching hard for Buddy Parker. And, you know, people just go on. Uh, I would urge them to go online and read about him and his accomplishments and then ask why did the Pro Football Hall of Fame keep him out? That's a good question. It, and it didn't obviously open up a spot for anybody else in the process. So that's, that's, that's correct. I mean, once you have one candidate, one yeah. coach contributor candidate, and you have three senior candidates, they're outside the modern era candidates. When we talk about um, uh, Terrell Suggs going you know, uh, in next year or in succeeding years, that's the modern era class we're talking about. And those are people who've retired with – in 20 years, a 20 year period. Um, once you move out of that category and you've been retired 25, 30 years, it's a senior category. It's so deep with people that we can't get enough of them. We, we, it's, I think 53 all decade players are there and guys that used to be household names are sitting there waiting for their names to be called. You can't get them called because there's just too many of them. But we take three of those now, three each year, and we still can't reduce the, the inventory um, backlog and catalog of really Hall of Fame worthy players. So you don't want to be there. But then you have the coach contributor, which are either a head coach or an assistant coach, or when you say a contributor, someone outside of the player, coach, group, GM, scout, owner, whatever. Um, Buddy Parker was the coach for the Detroit Lions in the 1950s and later the Pittsburgh Steelers in the late 50s, early 60s. He made the Lions relevant. He went to three straight championship games, all against Paul Brown. He won two of them back to back. Basically, there were Super Bowls. He was 4-1 and one against Paul Brown when he was with the Detroit Lions. Then he goes to the woebegone Steelers in 1957. And he makes them a successful franchise. You want to tell me what's missing there? And, and I, I would uh, love to hear it. 
Clark Judge, at uh, Clark Judge TOF on Twitter is how you follow him. Talk of Fame 2, that's T-W-O, talkoffame2.com to check him out as always. Truly appreciate you, my friend. I have no doubt that we will be having more of these as the year goes on. Thank you for spending a couple of minutes with us. Go O's, thanks. Heck, heck yes. Thank you, Clark. Um, unfortunately, there's bad news coming for the Baltimore Orioles this morning. Day one. Day one. Hope Springs Eternal, right? I'll tell you first that if you think you know high school basketball, go to countysportszone.com where you can pick the winners and earn points to see where you stand on the leaderboard only at countysportszone.com presented by your local Toyota dealers. Uh, Brandon Hyde meeting with the media this morning. Kyle Bradish, UCL Sprain. Not going to be available for opening day. Now, it's not apparent. Okay, I'm reading from Jake Rill's Twitter. Bradish got a PRP injection. We'll begin throwing program tomorrow. So that sounds like, you know, he's not going to miss half the season, but he's not going to be ready to start the season. So that's a bummer for the perceived number two starter for the Baltimore Orioles. But it gets worse. John Means, again, reading from Jake Rill's Twitter, a month behind other Orioles starters after his left elbow flare-up last postseason. GM Mike Elias wouldn't say that Means will open on AL, but he is a month behind the other starters. Cool. Let's go get Dylan Cease, right? All that, right? All that. Remember about all that, all that t- pitching depth that you were excited about? We were all excited about. So, about Tyler Wells going to the bullpen, probably not. Cole Irvin might be in the rotation to start the season, too. It's what it is, man. It's what it is. That's the good. Depth's a good thing to have. Depth's a good thing to have. Uh, the other notes from uh, Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde today, uh, according to Jake Rill, Gunnar Henderson dealing with an oblique aggravation. Uh, he will likely be late into Grapefruit League action, but opening day is not in jeopardy for Gunnar Henderson. And uh, on the minor league level, Samuel Basayo has a right elbow stress fracture. Uh, he's catching, but he's not throwing. He'll be a designated hitter down in uh, spring training and probably won't catch until late April. But again, he wasn't going to be in the majors anyway, so all good. Brandon Hyde assumes that John means unlikely to be in the opening day rotation. So <sighs> happy start of spring training, ladies and gentlemen. Happy opening spring training day. Why weren't they stretching more? But yeah, clearly, Just that was the problem. More arm circles, and all would be good. All right. Um, this, I, you know, every time I talk to him, I always say I'm happy for him, excited for him, but he'll have to understand that would be disingenuous today. I, I, I love this guy, but they came into Baltimore and beat the Ravens a couple weeks ago. So, like, I, I, I guess I can be happy for him, but it's vi- I'm very conflicted about it. Um, as you know, I am a play-by-play voiceover at Stevenson University, and uh, this guy was a joy to, to call games for as a player, and he has immediately stepped into his coaching career, and he's now a three-time Super Bowl champion as uh, he is an assistant with the Kansas City Chiefs, offensive quality control, assistant quarterbacks coach, former Stevenson quarterback, Mr. Dan Williams, back with us now here on GCR. Dan it's Glenn. It's always good to catch up. Thank you for taking the time, and a very begrudging congratulations to you, man. 
<laughs> hey, Glenn, I understand. Yeah, right. uh, I appreciate appreciate it some, but I understand. It's tough. It's tough I had a couple of uh, Stevenson teammates and uh, talked to Coach Hoddle the day before the game. So definitely understand how the uh, Baltimore only most community was uh, rallied behind the Ravens, and I, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> Bro, I've been having I've been having people during every game like congratulate you like on the broadcasts that we've been doing for basketball and other hockey and other sports like that, and it's really hurting me every time, every time. <laughs> it's like pulling a wound, you know. Like God, I don't want to consider it again. Um, Dan, like I take me back a few years, right? Take me back to like eighteen-year-old uh, Dan Williams. If I told you that in 2024 you would be a three-time Super Bowl champion, you would have said to me what? I would have told you you're absolutely crazy. Right? <laughs> I would have told you that you're crazy and you're probably wasting your time with a young kid who's still trying to figure it out. I, it's unbelievable, man. Like I, I, I got to imagine that you got to be pinching yourself half the time that things have worked out. Not to say you're not deserving of it. I want to make that abundantly clear. But there's a lot of guys that get into this business – that are very deserving of the opportunities they have, and they go like their entire life never getting to experience this. Like, do you find yourself just saying, "Oh my God, how how lucky I am that it has worked out this way for me"? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have to look at it that I'm blessed and fortunate to be here, and that we've had things go our way when a little bit of luck was necessary. Because in times when my dad was coaching with Philadelphia, yeah, um, I watched three straight NFC Championship games at home, yeah. or three straight NFC Championship games go down the drain. I watch a shoot bowl opportunity uh, not go his way. So I understand how difficult it is to get to these moments and pinnacles of this game and to be fortunate on the, the winning side three times now is just a blessing. So, Dan, the way that I've been saying it, and you can you can tell me, hey, Glenn, you're an idiot because you clearly know the game better than I do. <laughs> but the way that I've been saying it is it's not like I feel like this year's team, this year's Chiefs, were so much better than everybody else. It's that thi what this team did – when presented opportunities, when other teams played into your guys' hand and made mistakes and and did things they shouldn't do, like, you know, I don't know, completely abandoning the run in an AFC championship game. Um, <laughs> the, the, you guys were just so bloody opportunistic. Can you, can you take me through why this team is so good at taking advantage of the mistakes that other teams make? I think it is that championship character that these guys have. It's in their DNA now, this this run especially, having two championships prior. I think guys understand the moment, and no, no moment is too big for these guys, and they stick together even when it wasn't looking great there in November and early December. Um, the guys didn't quit each other. And I think that goes from Coach Reed, Coach Spags, down to the offensive guys and defensive guys. I think that togetherness and that humbleness that, hey, it ain't looking great right now, but we've got what we need in this building to get it done. And I think the guys found a way late in the season to to put the switch and lock in on the little details that ended up prevailing us down the stretch. He's Dan Williams, Chiefs assistant, former Stevenson quarterback. He's with us here on GCR. Dan, I, I you know I, I I joke about the AFC Championship game, but throughout the playoffs, it was kind of clear that the players were using the underdog thing as motivation and i wonder what the confidence was like each week during the course of the postseason like did, did you guys forget we're the kansas city chiefs like did you guys forget <laughs> like that mahomes kelsey reed like did, what did, how real was that that like the confidence was we don't think we're not supposed to be here we don't think that we're not that, that you guys knew the entire time we're still the champions until proven otherwise 
Yeah, I mean, throughout even throughout the regular season, we felt that we dropped the ball multiple times. Um, that no, we didn't make no the pun intended. Make. <laughs> no, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, we didn't get the things done that we needed to. So we knew at the end of the day it was going to be in our hands. If we really wanted to go get it, we'd have to do it ourselves. No matter where it was on the road in negative twenty-seven degree weather in the Super Bowl, it didn't matter. If we put our minds to it and let our guys just lock in and focus, we felt we had the guys in the room to make it happen. Can, can you take me through that, Dan? Because I, I feel like it's almost I, I don't want to I don't want to come off like disparagingly towards any of your players, but this you, you know we we joke about the drop the ball thing. We know that this particular group and Rayshie Rice looks like he's a star, obviously, but this is not you know the murderer's row of wide receivers that perhaps has existed in other places. What did it take in order to figure out what the offense needed to be like, knowing it probably wasn't going to be the same offense as it was the first time you guys won the Super Bowl? Yeah, I have to give a ton of credit to our receivers coach, Connor Embry. I think he instills in those guys a confidence in them daily from OTAs to training camps to throughout the season that no matter what's going on, you guys are built for this moment. Uh, we had a ton of guys back from last year's team, Marquez, Justin Watson, uh, McCall Hardman. So you add those guys, you add Rasheed, and you guys just say, hey, like, go play. Just go out there and have fun. Trust your work ethic and the things you've done to get here, and it will all pan out. So even when things were going bad there, when we had a couple of drop balls against Detroit and Philadelphia, the guys didn't lose focus and didn't lose sight of the goal, and I think that was key. Um, I, you know, I, gotta, I have to ask the obvious question. Did, did you get to meet Taylor at any point? <laughs> I did not. She was at the after party at the Super Bowl, but I did not get a chance to meet her. <laughs> oh man, did you didn't think at any point like you just wander over like, "Hey, by the way, like I, I guess the first question is, are you a fan?" Uh, I am a fan. Yes, my okay. wife is a big fan. I think I think more so I would have wanted to meet her with her for my wife's sake. Okay. I can I can <laughs> I can appreciate that 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 would be a big deal. <laughs> There probably will be more opportunities coming in the future. That probably, I, 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 hope, I hope so. Yeah, right? <laughs> or else you might think about that for a little while. Um, as much as I've joked about it, like, was it as crazy to you guys on the sidelines watching the AFC Championship game as it was to us? Like, were you guys saying, hey, what the heck is their strategy over on the other side? Like, were you guys thinking about that at all as the game went on? You know, I, I think we got out early to a lead, and I think it – put them in a different mindset i think they would have wanted to run the ball had they got up to a lead early in the game but i think being behind um kind of made them more put in lamar hands and i think that's just the way the game played out being down i think they were down 10 for a majority of that second half there so i I can understand why it was easy to get away from the run game i can i can appreciate that but i will still never understand that i will still (laughs) never dan i will never i will never have any peace for it whatsoever um, I, 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 what you're doing in being a representative of Stevenson University, and, and we've talked about it before, a, a football program that's still, in comparison, extraordinarily young. Yeah. How much has that meant to you that you're kind of carrying the banner a little bit for almost the entirety of the program? I'm sure you and Ed talk about it all the time, but that like your accomplishments are great for you but you know, like they're the things that back here we're going to be talking about, and Ed's going to be going out and saying to kids, "Hey, like, look, this guy's got three Super Bowl rings. Why don't you come?" Here? How much does that mean to you that you're sort of the guy that's being held up right now for this program? No, it definitely means a lot. I think the biggest thing when I left Stevenson was wanting to continue to be a good person and put on a good face for what the program meant to me uh, in my my five years there because. 
the guys that I played with and the Billy Lewis's, the uh, Austin Tennessee's, the Devin yeah, Salisbury's, those yeah. guys, even uh, Corey Petrick, who's now back there as a defensive coordinator, yeah. I think those guys mean the world to me. So just putting on a good show for what they have to offer because it wasn't just me that made that program special when we were there. It was the collective unit around me, including Coach Hoddle. So just trying to do those things for those guys so that one day they might get a chance to be at this level as well. Um, it's something that I know means everything to everybody back there. And, I, you know, as you continue, like, do you start to, to feel that the moment could be coming for you? Like, you've now been at this level for a little while. Do you feel like, hey, I, I think I'm closer to a place where, like, I could call plays in the NFL. Do you start to feel those things about your career? I, I think each year you grow and you learn and you get better as a coach and as an individual. Um, but I, I think when the time is right, uh, the, the Lord will make itself for me to be a play caller or a quarterback coach. But until then, I'll keep learning and growing with Coach Reed and his staff and just trying to be someone that can be a value added. Where, uh, where are the rings? Where do you keep them? <laughs> the two the two I keep them here at the house with my wife. Are you are you, are you at a point where like you might start gifting some to people you have so many? Like maybe I could just give this uh, one to somebody else. I, I, I think if I was to give one away I'd probably give one to my mom. Yeah. <laughs> but but until then not yet. I all right. I understand. I mean these are still Super Bowl rings that we're talking about. <laughs> They're still pretty freaking special things. Um yes. I heard a lot of talk after the game about three Pete, and I think that's the that's the terrifying part for the, the fans of all the other teams like the Baltimore Ravens is uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is still breathing, Andy Reid's still breathing, Travis Kelsey's still breathing. I, I imagine you guys have all the confidence in the world that you're gonna be right back here next year. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I think right now we're gonna enjoy these next two months or so before we get cranking with OTAs. But I think once we get going, I think the goal will still be to find a way to get back to playing in February next year, no matter what that looks like, whether it's a high-powered offense like in years past or a defense that's killing it like it was this year. Uh, find a way to get back to that pinnacle and make it happen again. Dan, did you, I, I, you know, I guess it's a funny one because we know there's spring football now. Like, I don't think I've ever asked you how difficult it was for you to put aside the concept of playing and simply go into coaching at such a young age. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, it was hard. It was yeah. hard at first because even though I was coming off of two injuries, I still felt like I had more to contribute to the game. Yeah. Um, but I, I was talking to my wife about it last night. I know for sure if I was still pursuing my playing career in the spring of 2019, I wouldn't be here with the Chiefs five years later as three-time Super Bowl champion. So at that point in time, I think it was just God telling me, hey, you know, it's time, time for you to hang it up, and I, I got bigger things in store for you. Man, it worked out okay. It worked out okay with a, <laughs> with a lot still to come, with a whole lot still to come. Man, all right. So, um, you know, I, I, I again, I, I'm going to say congratulations. And, and it, in, a, in a way, I hope you know I mean it because I really am happy for you and for everybody back at Stevenson. It means the world. But, like, yes. please, next year, can we not have this conversation? <laughs> can we please not make this a habit <laughs> for my mental health? Uh, I, I, I hope you understand. I, hope I do. You, I, I do. I hope you understand. <laughs> Uh, Dan Williams, seriously, so happy for you, brother. It's incredible to see, and we can't wait to see what's next for you as you continue along your journey, wherever that leads you. And uh, have no doubt that we will see you back in Owings Mills at some point. Uh, enjoy this. Uh, certainly our thoughts to everybody in Kansas City, and always appreciate you taking the time for us. Thank you, Glenn. I do appreciate it. And I heard you at the beginning talking about your Orioles going into spring training. 
I do hope they fare better this year and don't end up like my Phillies did last yeah. year at the end of the season. Hell so. yeah. Th- thank you. Thank you for that. That means something <laughs> to a problem. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for doing this, man. Dan Williams, former Stevenson quarterback, now an assistant coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, appreciate him taking the time. And, um, yeah, obviously we didn't spend a, a lot of time on it earlier this morning, but clearly the, the scenes yesterday, from uh, it's just unfathomable. Unfathomable. And the death of a, a young woman who was a radio DJ and apparently a beloved figure within the Latin community in Kansas City. Not that it would be any less sad if it was anyone else, but it's just unfathomable. And as people have pointed out, it's anywhere. It's a parade. It's the movie theater. It's concerts. It's walking down the street. It's unfathomable. It's horrifying. It's overwhelming. It's all of those words. Is there an answer? I know there's a lot of opinions. Yes. I have said before, I I think that unfortunately, personally, I think the toothpaste might be out of the tube when it comes to, you know, like full-on gun control. But common sense stuff, I've always been in favor of. Making it a little bit more difficult, adding to the screening process, those things seem smart to me. But I'm a dumb guy, to be fair. I'm an idiot. This is not my area. Some of it has to be people choosing not to be evil. And we're not good at that in our country. There there has to be a little bit of both here. There has to be continued leadership and not just saying, well, we'll do nothing. But it also, like, the other side of it can also be true. This thing where it's always got to be... Shift the focus to mental health. Well, yes, let's talk about mental health, and let's continue to go that route. And then let's get the focus away from guns. Let's talk about guns, too. Let's have both conversations. Let's try to work on both things. Instead of just talking points because we're so effing politicized that it's got to be one thing or the other. No, let's, let's do it all. Let's talk about all of it. Let's actually solve problems, which is something we are terrible at in this country. Not just leadership, but like humans were terrible at actually solving problems. Unfathomable. And to the, the heroic people that were willing to dive after the shooters, bless them, man. Bless them. I, I, I pray that more of us would be capable of, of acting in those moments. I mean, those, that's, a, that's what a hero looks like. Our hearts, obviously, I, I mean that with the folks in Kansas City. That's ho- just horrifying. And a reminder that it can happen anywhere. And when you guys spout off about, well, it always happens in this place, where it all shut the entire F up. Happens everywhere. Stop with your mouth-breathing nonsense. No, it's a heck of a way to try to transition into it. Now let's talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But that's what we're going to do. We'll grab a break. Our friend Spiro Marikas will join us. 
And we are going to talk a little Towson, then we're going to break down this year's class of nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. Fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Discover your next favorite beer crafted in the heart of Charm City. At Guilford Hall Brewery, we believe beer should be flavorful and easy to enjoy. Our meticulously crafted lagers and ales are derived from centuries-old European brewing traditions, a staple for both the seasoned beer aficionado or a novice hophead. Experience beer styles that dare to showcase the exceptionality of simplicity. Visit our restaurant and brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue or view our menu and tap map online at guilfordhall.com. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual best of issue. On the cover, we celebrate Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and the Orioles as our Team of the Year. With Stan the Fan Charles and Glenn Clark sitting down with Hyde to discuss his role in creating the culture that defined the Orioles' magic season. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2023. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Terps, and O's at PressBoxOnline.com. Contrary to what some people believe, I actually like this guy when he sleeps. Glenn Clark, talking sports. All right, back in here on GCR. Griffin, it's a big day over at the Green Turtle. Always is every Thursday because they have live in-person sports net, sports betting now. And at the Green Turtle Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton, they are offering you a free $10 bet so you can experience the ultimate destination for game day excitement, great food, and live in-person betting. So go check out the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton. Go pick up your free bet and make some money while enjoying some sports and food tonight at the Green Turtle. Very good. Well, we do this every year, um, and we have him on from time to time to do other things, and he's just a longtime friend of ours. But this might be my favorite of the year because I know how furious he gets every time he sees the list of nominees come out for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
He is our friend, longtime Towson University play-by-play voice. Mr. Spiro Marikis is with us this morning here on GCR. Spiro, what's going on, buddy? How are you? How are you, Glenn? I'm good, pal. Are you uh, you're down in Williamsburg, I assume? I am in Williamsburg, yes. Lovely colonial Williamsburg. I actually find I love Williamsburg, actually. My wife and I did like a bed and breakfast there a couple years ago, and uh, it's a neat little town, man. Like there is everybody knows Colonial Williamsburg, everybody knows Bush Gardens, but there's like a little bit more going on there. It's like a great um arts festival the first Sunday of every month. It's a really neat town, man. Mm, not in February. <laughs> All right, that's fair. I, I can give you that much. Uh, much needed win the other night, obviously, uh, after a little bit of a dip. And, you know, as long as things continue to trend this way, this is a Towson team that, that looks pretty good and looks like they're going to be right there in the mix to try to win the CAA. Well, right now they're in third, um, tied for third with Delaware, Drexel, and Hofstra. Um, split with Delaware, beat Drexel in the only meeting lost to Hofstra in their only meeting, uh, and have wins over the two teams tied for first, UNCW and Charleston. Um, Charleston is at TU Arena a week from Saturday, final home game of the year. And uh, I think, I honestly believe we're going to set the TU Arena record for attendance next Saturday. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a huge crowd. We've gotten some really big crowds this year. Mike Gaffigan, uh, Steve Eigenbrod have done just a tremendous job marketing this team this year. And uh, I, I, I'm hoping for a sellout. I don't know if we're going to get a sellout, but I'm hoping for the biggest crowd ever a week from Saturday against Charleston. Going to be a huge game. And then the last game of the year is at Wilmington against yeah. UNCW. So a chance for the Tigers to beat the two teams that are in top in front of them. Uh, by the way, that's a noon tip-off next Saturday for that Charleston game at home. I, I wanted to run this by you. I asked Patrick this the other day. On I was I was not there on Monday night. Um, I had to work. I was watching the broadcast, and I heard I, whoever it was, Fanta, I think, bring up that Scary had said, I think Tyler Tejada might be the most talented player we've ever recruited here. And when I heard that, for at first I thought, well, that just might be Pat you know, talking up his guy. But then I thought about it some more, remembering that, like, you know, Jarrell Benjamin was a transfer and where other guys came from. And I wondered, is it maybe, is that maybe true that Tyler Tata might be the most talented recruit that Towson's ever landed immediately under Pat Scare? Um, I think he has the highest ceiling. I think if you go back and you look right now, probably Mike Morsell. Okay. Or Zane Martin were probably the two most talented that, that Pat brought in as a freshman. Again, Benjamin was a transfer. Um, Marcus Damas was a transfer. Uh, Brian Fobbs was a transfer. Uh, yeah, uh, Tyler has the capability probably to be the most talented that, that Pat has brought in. And I know he's very, very high on the recruiting class he has coming in next year also. Yeah, Tyler's a heck of a player, man. He is fun to watch, dude. <laughs> like, he is he is a lot of fun to watch play. All right, um, and I guess we should say something before we transition. Um, it's the first, I, I assume you're doing hoops on Saturday, not lacrosse, correct? I am doing hoops on okay. Saturday at um, – Hampton University. That's a bummer because this is cool that finally Towson and Navy getting back together in lacrosse. It's been a few years, right? It has been a few years. You know, we did uh, the coaches show with Coach Nadlin the other day, and and he said that Joe Amplo and him have talked every year trying to figure out a, a spot. The problem is, you know, 
very well that the Patriot League is a very large league, yeah. so they've got a lot of conference games. And the CAA added a couple of schools, Monmouth and Hampton and Stony Brook. So now Towson has more conference games, so there's less of a, an opportunity for them to meet. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great game, and Towson will go to Navy next year, so it is a home-and-home. Home. So we know that they will be playing each other at least this year and next year. Nice. And I'm, I'm upset because – Dave Cottle is one of my favorite people right, in the world. Right. Looking forward to seeing Dave on Saturday, but that's not going to happen. He's the best. Yeah. You guys have Virginia, too, at home this year, which is a really yes. cool one. So yes. uh, we'll look forward to that one as well. Anything else Towson-wise that we should talk about, or is it time for us to go ahead and dive into the, the list? Uh, I would just um, I would encourage folks, we, we have two home games left next Thursday and next Saturday. Yeah. Thursday against Monmouth, who – a lot of your older listeners will remember their head coach is a guy named King Rice, who was a guard for North Carolina and Dean Smith. And his son, Xander, is probably the best player in the CAA. He's a transfer from Bucknell. That's a great point. Great point. All right, Spiro. So I, I did love the setup. Our friend John Keller messaged and said, and this will be my annual time to get pissed off by Spiro. I bet it happens again. Why is every Hall of Fame selection process so complicated and frustrating? I know that you and I are going to disagree. I know that. And I, I, I called my shot last night. I look over this list and I say, I don't think it's top-heavy lists. I, I don't think it's overwhelming at all. But I think there's an argument for almost everybody on this list. So... I have actually gone through. I've, one thing I've done, I've got a, a, a Griffin's got a playlist. So we're going to go in order, in alphabetical order. We're going to go through the list. He'll give us okay. about like uh, 10 seconds because we got to avoid getting in trouble by playing too much here and getting knocked off YouTube or whatever. And we'll talk about it. I actually like ranked my top eight. But Griffin, what was the rule that we figured out? How many can go in? I think it was seven. Seven was the number that yeah. could go in. Uh, in the course of a year, that doesn't mean seven will, but seven could. I rank my top eight because I I fear what we do, and we'll do it for the same the same way we've done it every year. Do you feel strongly they should be in? Indifferent about whether they're in, or strongly that they shouldn't be in, is the way that we'll go through each one. All right, you good with that? I'm good. First on the list, uh, Griffin, uh, give us a little taste of Mary J. Blige. Because this is Real Love by Mary J. Blige, one of her biggest hits. Also best known for a Family Affair. She was part of the Super Bowl halftime show a couple years ago. A legend in the R&B community. Spiro Marikis, what say you about Mary J. Blige? I believe she belongs. I I am in a I absolutely believe I feel strongly about Mary J. Blige. I feel strongly about her. I think she was influential. Um uh, she's written some songs that that, that oh. really tear your heart. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Mary J. Blige belongs. Yes. Ironically, as strongly as I feel about Mary J. Blige, she was around the level of my cutoff. <laughs> like, like that's, and I know that you're going to probably laugh and you're going to say, dude, there's no way there's that many people that um, that you think are strong in this group. I, I don't know. I love Mary J. Blige. I'm a huge fan. 
And I again, I hear a song like Real Love. It's a banger. And um, she's just had a hell of a career. She's a phenomenal performer. She did a version. Spirit, I don't know that you and I have ever talked about. Where are you? Are are you in a like with you two? Are you a big U two guy? I'm a uh, middle of the road. Okay, maybe right. a little below the road. Okay, I, I think I, they're a little overrated. Oh wow, I feared that might be the case. So she did. I a, like early U two. Like I, 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 their first two albums, I loved. After that, eh. fair, fair. She did a version with them. They re- they re-recorded one with Mary J. Blige a few years ago. And if you want to hear someone sing, go find they did it live together once. Go listen to her belt out one by you two. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. I feel strongly about Mary J. Blige. I'm glad we agree on that one. Next on the list. Griffin, if you would, A Taste of Mariah Carey, next nominee. Oh, this is probably a mistake to choose the song because we won't even get into the best part of her singing. It's on me. I pick the songs. This is, of course, Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey, one of her, like, a billion number one songs over the years. Spira Maricus, where are you with Mariah Carey? Up until yesterday, I was a no. Wow. And I did a little research, and and I and, and I even told my wife, you know, um, obviously I'm not a huge Mariah Carey fan since I didn't know this, but I didn't think she wrote her own music. Yeah. But it turns out she does. She does. 100%. Because I base I said to my wife the other day, I said she's she's just you know like a, like a can pop star, unbelievable is what you're karaoke singer. Yeah. But. I'm I'm completely wrong. She writes her own music. Yes, in. Uh, are are you going strong for Mariah Carey? Uh, I guess. I mean, either you're in or you're not, right? Okay. I just I thought we should have yeah yeah. Oh, all right, fine. Yes, indifferent or no. All right, I'm good with that. So we, I will go with yes. Um, this to me, Spira Maricus, is number one of my class in 2024. Um, I will tell Yeah, I will tell you, I actually am a huge Mariah Carey fan. In fact, I went and saw her in Philadelphia in December um, because I am a massive Mariah Carey fan. Her songs are phenomenal. Her career, and this is like this is where we get into the like the compared to sports hall of fames. Her statistics are unreal. The number the number of number one songs that she has had, the grasp that she had on this country for a span of four records in the 1990s and into the early 2000s. Um, Mariah Carey is star of stars. And the only debate would be about using the words rock and roll, but we're past that now. We understand that this just that's not the debate that you're having. If Mariah Carey... Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the modern music call. Sure, thing. right. If, if, that's, if, if you're discussing Mariah Carey, I can't fathom what the debate is. Mariah Carey checks all of the boxes. One of the true gifts. Her instrument is real. It is phenomenal. Um, I get it that it's kind of wore off in the later years, but come on, man. I mean, like, you can't sing like that forever. It's just not going to work that way. Mariah Carey is a true talent, a gem. Her songs are excellent. She is actually number one on my list of candidates for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2024. So two in, and we're both in agreement that they both should be in. How about that? We go next to, I think, the first real debate on the list. 
Cher is next on the list. Solo Cher next up. Go ahead, Griffin. No. This, of course... I the gun. I'm sorry. You're all right, Spiro. This, of course, one of the most iconic music videos of all time. If I could turn back time by Cher, where she's on um, a Navy ship dancing around in a thong. I think she was already in her 40s at that point, too. Um, go ahead. You said no, so no, go ahead. I, what, she's like one of the first people to use auto-tuning, wasn't she? Yeah, the, the Believe is almost embarrassing. That's it's When you think of Cher's solo career, you think of this and you think of Believe. And Believe is one of the most embarrassing right, so that's songs Hall of Fame ever. worthy? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, I I am in agreement with you. She did not make the cut for me. I, I think there's well, a... I'm shocked. Yeah, well, I think there's a difficult part to this with Cher. Because if you looked at like her stardom, Cher is as big of a star, if not bigger of a star, than anybody on this list, right? Like just but that's got nothing to do with the music hall of fame. We are in agree I God, we are agreeing way too much. We are agreeing way too much so far. Um I, I think Cher was is talented, but Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, no. 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 Not at all. Uh, she made a a, a a memorable music video. And I, I, are Sonny and Cher in together? This is always the awkward part about these things. I I don't think that I would even feel strongly. I don't think, so. I, don't think I would feel strongly about that either. Um, I'm I am a no, a a a solid no on Cher. Well, I thought this might be the first debate that we had, and it's not. Um, but so that's good. So let's move forward then. I I almost guarantee we'll get into a debate about this one. Next on the list is Dave. Matthews band. Now this is of course getting end up getting baseline. This is Crush by Dave Matthews band. A band that is not necessarily like known for their hits, although they had some of those. Ants Marching stands out. Crash Into Me was a huge hit. More known for their touring and settling in sort of post Grateful Dead as like the jam band for a younger generation. Spira Marikis, where are you with the Dave Matthews band? Now, isn't Dave Matthews known as being a um, a, a very, very frequent user of marijuana? Yes, yes, among other things. He is a, okay. a, a, an I, I'm advocate. Gonna, I'm going to publicly state something I don't know that I've ever publicly stated. I have never smoked marijuana well, in my life. I promise you that if you had, you would have been a bigger Dave Matthews band fan. <laughs> and that's exactly what I was going to tell you. You have to be stoned on marijuana to think that this band belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> really? Oh, man. Um, all right. Well, yeah, we are going to disagree here for the first time. We I mean, disagree. they're quirky musically which i tend to like quirky music bands but no i, I just no i i own two of their albums don't ask me what they are i couldn't remember They're what they probably are, two I, of the first two albums them. they put out I and, mean, yes. and i just I, I don't see the attraction i, I just i just don't i this is I, this is the interesting debate to me is because from a sheer like if you only stood up their biggest hits against each other i don't think the dave matthews band would stand out significantly but the fact that they have been such a wildly popular band and they've continued to tour, I would say that their live performances, I have fallen off. Like I, Once upon a time, Spiro, you, you can laugh and make fun of me, but I was a younger man, and I did 
enjoy smoking marijuana. And I did go to a lot of Dave Matthews Band shows. I would not like to tell you what that number is because it's it's a bit much. Um, so you were like a deadhead of Dave Matthews. I, when I was in college and out of college for a few years, I was an obsessed Dave Matthews Band fan. What I would tell you is, years later, a, a, a close friend of mine, one of my lifelong best friends, who was also part of that group, we were together. And what I would say is, even though I'm, I'm no longer in that category, I think their music has held up. I'm not embarrassed by the fact... I, I'm embarrassed by my who I was as a person. I'm not embarrassed that I enjoyed their music. I think their music is really good. Um, and their live performances really do stand out. And in the same way that I think there's different ways to view Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, I, I think the live act that Dave Matthews Band is and the reason why they continue to sell out arenas and large venues for years upon years is not because of their stardom. I mean, like, I don't think that a young person would know Dave Matthews if he was walking down the street. It's because of the quality of the live show. And I think that matters in this conversation. So, Dave- but, but, but was it that it became, for instance, I was a huge Jimmy Buffett fan before the Parrot Head started. First time Fair, I saw right. Jimmy Buffett was like in 1977 sure. at the Towson Center. And Jimmy Buffett was not into all this, you know, yeah. Key West. Yeah. Uh, Frozen he was drinks. A different type and, of artist. Yeah. But Jimmy Buffett became known because of his concerts. The event. And, I mean, he sold his albums sold better at the end of his career than they did when he really was at his so-called peak. Um, but it was solely because of his. Do I think Jimmy Buffett's a Hall of Famer? No. Interesting. Um, but his his concerts were events. They were happenings. I would. And I think. What you had instead of people getting drunk at Jimmy Buffett concerts is you had getting high at Dave Matthews Twenty thousand people to get stoned and you know trip out to Dave Matthews twenty eight minute songs. I understand everything you're saying. I under I would say two things that I would say. One, I would disagree with you, and I'm not the biggest Jimmy Buffett guy, but I think that Jimmy Buffett would be worthy of the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, I would tell you having, and I went to a bunch of Jimmy Buffett shows. Your point is well taken. Musically, a Dave Matthews Band show was better than a Jimmy Buffett show was. J- the Dave Matthews yes. Band okay, show. Okay, I'll give you that. They musically more talented, but th- 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 I just don't think I, they're all. I understand. What, I understand everything you're saying. I think the quality of the live show. It's the thing that I would tell you today. Even like no longer part of that culture, the quality of a li- every summer. My buddies will reach out to me and say, do you want to go to a show? And I'll say, yeah, I would probably still go to a show because the quality of the live show is still so high to me. And this is, what, 30 or so years into it now for them um, that it stands out. So the separation for me, and they are one of the ones, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd say to me, they're a, a, because of it, they're almost top five in this group, borderline top five. Um, they they stand out to me, and I do think that's significant in just the different ways that you look at a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. So it's the first one we disagree on. I kind of expected that. I thought it might be Cher, but um, I, I kind of expected that. I'm not surprised. From the comments you've just made, it will not be the last time we disagree. I have no doubt that that's true. Eric B. and Rakim are next on the list. I'll give you a little taste of them. Don't sweat the technique. Don't sweat the technique. As he just said, 
considered to be among the most influential acts in hip-hop history, rap fans hold Eric B. and Rakim to a standard that is almost untouchable. This is a very awkward one for me. Spiro, Eric B. and Rakim. I have to plead ignorance. I have never heard. Just now is the first time I've ever heard. Uh, Weren't these guys on the list last time? Uh, I believe they've been on the list before. I don't know if they were on last year. I believe I I plead indifference because I don't know anything about them. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, This one is actually very tough for me. I... I think Eric B. and Rakim have a strong argument because of their their influence. But I almost feel like, like, didn't DJ Cool Herc get in last year because of his influence and it wasn't among the nominees? It was, like, in some other category that they had where they they refer, they they recognized people that had made an influence on music. And I think Link Ray got in in a similar category and he wasn't part of the group and it was well-deserved. There's a part of me that feels like that's how Eric B. and Rakim have to get in. Um, is because of the influence they had on hip hop, and I don't—they didn't quite make the cut for me among this group. But it was very difficult because I recognize how significant they were in that department. Uh, before we take a break, let's do one more. This one, oh boy, Foreigner is next on the list, and I didn't want to play a ballad and with one that had a huge. So uh, I think we're doing. Uh, uh, was it hot blooded? Is yes. that what we're doing? Go ahead, give a little taste. Foreigner has a, a hell of a lot of hits, man. They have so many hits. But so many of them are not for me, Spiro. Like, just not my cup of tea with some of their ballads. Go ahead. Where's your uh, thought process with Foreigner? Well, I had a, um, I had an incident with Foreigner. Oh, yeah? From 1979 to 1981, I worked at a record store called Record Theater, which was on Liberty Road, just inside the Beltway. And it, it used to be a grocery store. It was an A&P. It was the first super record store in Baltimore. It's a company called Record Theater. And in 1979, maybe the summer of 80, uh, Head Games had come out, their album, and they came to Record Theater to do an in-store appearance, sign autographs. And they flew into a, a, with a heli- from a helicopter into the parking lot. Now, at the time, Record Theater had off-duty Baltimore County cops as their security. So we had this big warehouse in the back. So me and this Baltimore County cop, I won't mention his name, go back to get some stuff from this warehouse. And there, in the middle of the warehouse, on a table, were three guys from Foreigner snorting it up. And I just turned to the cop and I said, well, and he looked at me and he goes, I don't see anything. Yeah, of course not, right? Yeah, nothing to see here. No doubt about it. Wow. Uh, Foreigner is not a Hall of Fame band. Wow. Wow. They're, they're, I put them in the same category as Journey. Decent, but not Hall of Fame work. I forgot, I forgot your Journey stance. Oh man, I forgot all about that. Um, this one, again, was a very difficult one for me because on a personal opinion, I just, I, I recognize how many people love, I want to know what love is. 
It's not a song that I love. I don't love that song. It's it's a burden for me. I don't connect with it. Um, I don't connect with waiting. waiting for a girl like yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Uh, oh, the the keyboard guy. Yeah. That teaches at uh, Hopkins now, I think. Uh, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, uh, 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 Thomas Dolby, right? Thomas Dolby. Yes. That's it. Thomas yeah. Dolby. These songs are just not songs that I connect with, but I can't deny the the breadth of their success and their career. So personal preference, no. Acknowledging their accomplishments, begrudgingly, yes. I mean, if you put them in, I'm not going to stand there and protest, but I just uh, I would I, vote no. I, I think I'd vote yes. My oh, you're a big foreigner guy, Griffin? I'm not a big foreigner guy, but I mean, yeah, they got the, the guy, hits they, are hits. Hits are hits. There's something to be said for that. All right, let's grab a break here. Peter Frampton will be first up on the other side, and that'll be a fun one. Spiro Marikis is with us as we debate this year's nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame here on Glenn Clark Radio. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken. A family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite. And at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal. Available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Jeremy Kahn here. The ultimate sports betting experience in Maryland is at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook. Join me at either location in Canton or in Towson and place your bets in person and be a part of the action. It's the best in-class sports wagering experience complete with the ultimate TV package, ensuring you can catch every game all day, every day. Their state-of-the-art facilities bring Las Vegas energy right here to Maryland just in time for postseason football. So visit the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton and Towson and elevate your game day experience and hang out with me to bet, watch, and win at the Turtle. 
coming back in here with Glenn and the other guy, uh, uh, Garrett, whatever his name is. You know who they are. Sports and Social is the place to be this Saturday night for UFC 298 and every night at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. It features an on-site FanDuel location, and it is your ultimate spot to watch the fights or whatever sport you'd like. College basketball is on every night on their massive 100-foot media wall, so order up your favorite game day bites, take a sip from their signature crushes and extensive beer selections, all just steps away from the FanDuel Sportsbook. So watch, wager, and win at Sports and Social at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Adirondo Mills must be 21. Please Play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLING. All right, we're six in. we got nine more to go. We're going over the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees with our friend Spiro Marikas, Towson University play-by-play voice. And Spiro next on the list, Peter Frampton. We'll give a little taste. Is this right? Oh, I pulled, we pulled this from Frampton Comes Alive, right? Yeah, that makes it difficult. Um... This is uh, Do You Feel Like We Do, but we're probably not going to get into the heart of it, unfortunately. Frampton Comes Alive is basically why he's on this list. Go ahead, Spiro. Um, Little known trivial fact about Peter Frampton. Uh, First of all, he was in Humble Pie, which was uh, a band from the late 60s, early 70s. And he was, you know, kind of a, a progeny. He was 16, 17 years old when he was in that band. Um. George Harrison's probably his greatest solo album is All Things Must Pass. Mm-hmm. And the first song on the album is My Sweet Lord. Yep. And the first part of My Sweet Lord is an acoustic guitar, and Peter Frampton is the one playing that acoustic oh, you're guitar. Gonna try to, you're going to try to sway me now. Uh. No, I'm not. Peter Frampton is a no. Okay. Uh, Frampton Comes Alive may still be the best-selling live album of all time, and uh, you're a little too young, but... Um, I'm not, and that album was a monster, no an doubt. absolute monster. Peter Frampton, besides that album, uh, Glenn, I think you and I sold more albums than he did. I, that's, I mean, that, that's that's it. That's and the, that's the difficult. Also, the, another negative against Peter Frampton is he gave us the talk box, which may be right. the most the, annoying thing yeah. in the history of, of guitar playing. Yeah, Richie Sambora enjoyed that quite a bit later on. Yeah, uh, Spiro, we completely agree. Like, I Frampton comes alive is amazing, but that's that's what this is. Like, his candidacy is based on Frampton comes alive. He had a couple of hits. That's it. His candidacy is based on one live record, which is an unbelievable... Like, if you could do the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for albums, I think Frampton Comes Alive has to be in that. But right. the entirety of Peter Frampton's career? N- no. It's one of the few on the... like, and it, and it took me a second, because I think for some people, when you say Peter Frampton, you're like, yeah, of course. The actual career, not at all to me. Not at all worthy of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So we are in agreement about that. Um, next on the list is Jane's Addiction is next on the list. Uh, I think uh, Ben Caught Stealing is what I sent to Griffin uh, to give him. Of course, Jane says would have been the other choice. And the annoying part about Ben Caught Stealing is for some reason there's a couple of seconds of silence at the front of it. But go ahead. I, I, gotta get, I was hoping you would just hit it and we could get through that. Whenever- I have nothing to say about Jane's Addiction. I... I've seen Jane's Addiction a couple of times. They actually put on a great live show. I love this song. I say no. I say no. Because I'm I'm, uh, like Eric B. and Rakim. I'm not familiar with their work. Um, 
I like Jane's Diction a lot. A lot. But I'm actually a no as well. Um, and it's one of those to me that I would be totally fine with them getting in because I do think they were awesome. But And part of the problem was they were these members of Jane's Diction were kind of bouncing from band to band for a little while, and that played a role in why they never seemed to be capable of, like, staying together and and in putting together a lengthy career but as much as i love dave navarro as much as i love perry farrell like i i they're not a rock and roll hall of fame act to me they're an act that had a couple of really big ritual ritual day uh, habitual is an incredible album but one album does not make a rock and roll hall of fame career and so i am with you i am a no on Jane's addiction, but I would not be offended by them getting in because I just like them that much. Next up, let's, uh, you know, this one will be interesting. Cool in the Gang is next up on the list, and I'm sure I chose Celebration because, come on, it's, if we're going to talk about Cool in the Gang, it's good. Just go ahead. Don't wait for me to, just go ahead. What say you, Spear Maricus, about Cool in the Gang as Rock and Roll Hall of Famers? Okay. Is no. It, is uh, it, I mean, they. Yeah, celebrate was nice. A couple other nice songs. Uh, no, no, I don't think they stand out. They don't stand out in the crowd. They also did not make the cut for me. Um, and another one that I would say again, the influence of not only this song, but um, get down on it. Like, if I, I don't think it would be embarrassing by any stretch of the imagination for Cool and Gang, Cool and the Gang, to be recognized in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But in having to choose them from others on this list, they fell short for me. Cool and the gang uh, missed the cut for me for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But, again, like, the influence of a song, if we had a different conversation about it, I, I think we could have that topic. Lenny Kravitz is the next name on the list. We'll give you a taste of Are You Gonna Go My Way? God, I love Lenny Kravitz. I love Lenny Kravitz so much. Spear Maricus, what say you about Lenny Kravitz? Wasn't his mother in the Jeffersons? I believe that is correct. Is the Jeffersons a Hall of Fame show? Uh, yes, the Jeffersons a Hall of Fame show. Well, then his mother deserves to be in more than he does. Oh, God. Oh, He's oh. a great guitar player. He's a great guitar player, but his music just never... You know how you said Farmer just never moved you? Well, Lenny Kravitz never moved me. Wow. So in my mind, no. All right. This to me is one of the As ones. you said, would I be offended if he got in? No. I like, no. I feel strongly about Lenny Kravitz. Um, I'm sure you do. He's a, he is a top three for me in this class. Now, I recognize that part of that is my personal affinity for the music of Lenny Kravitz, but I would also say that like the songs still stand out and stand up. You hear that riff from Are You Gonna Go My Way, it stands up in a great way. Uh, Fly Away had a similar riff at the front that was a huge hit around the turn of the century. Um, It Ain't Over Till It's Over was more of a ballad that was a huge hit. Again, was a huge hit. And Lenny Kravitz was like the go-to for cool in rock and roll for about 10 years. His live shows, again, the live show factor here to me stands out. His live shows are Phenomenal. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I think I've seen him four times. He's 
amazing, and the talent on top of it, combining hits, live show, and the pure raw talent and his ability to play the guitar, Lenny Kravitz, to me, stands out as a true, worthy rock and roll Hall of Famer. He's one of the highest on this list for me. Lenny Kravitz is an absolute definitive yes in my book. Next up, Oasis is next on the list. I probably shouldn't have, but I guess I probably gave Griffin Wonderwall because, I mean, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. I mean, um, do the... Go ahead. Do, do the monkeys belong? In the oh, my God. Okay, is this your... They wanted to be the Beatles. No, so... they didn't want to be the Beatles. They ripped them off. And they they they, they, they basically said it. Well, I know they basically said it. But here's what I would say. It was like to me when people would complain that Muse was trying to be you too. I would say, like, well, I would rather you aim to try to be something good than say that you're trying to replicate, you know, I, 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 I can't even think of a good example here. Like, I'm trying to replicate the B-52s. Um, I, they're just so they're, 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 these brothers are so annoying. No, I that part, that part, I agree with. We're gonna agree about that part. But uh, they did. They were a yes for me. They made the cut on this list. I here's what the, they have like a three year run. It was three albums. It? That's really what. And that yeah. was that was difficult for me when I actually sat down and did the math. Is that matters that it was only three albums, and I had to think about that a little bit more. But it was just enough because I did. I considered it. They had a run of three records. Obviously, what's the story? Morning Glory is the one that stands out for everybody because that's the one with the uh, Wonderwall and Champagne Supernova on it. Um, but all three albums were outstanding. Well, wait a minute. Do, do you know where they got the name Wonderwall for that album? I have heard this story before, and I have already. Do you, remind me again. Bringing up George Harrison, he put yeah. out a, an album from a movie in 1968 called Wonderwall, and that's where Oasis got the name. For their album Wonderwall, but so I'm not, not only did they rip off their songs, they ripped off Beatle album names. But I'm never gonna be angry. I know we, we got into this conversation with you about ELO. I remember this now. Like I'm never gonna be angry that someone wants to be like the greatest act in the history of music. <laughs> I can't be mad about that. That's a yeah, good. But you can't put them in the Hall of Fame for that. I I they were by the way they were at the bottom of my cutoff. They were absolutely because it, it wasn't a lengthy career, but I, God, I they should it. have been a little farther on the bottom. <laughs> uh, I'm not surprised. Next on the list, Sinead O'Connor is next on the list. Here's a taste of, of course, her version of "Nothing Compares to You." Oh, we probably should skip ahead, skip ahead, so that we actually get to the part where she starts singing. Griffin, more, 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 more. No, you got it. It's nothing compares. Nothing compares to you. Where are you with Sinead O'Connor? Sinead O'Connor sings one of my probably 20 favorite songs of all time. Which one? The Emperor's New Clothes. Ooh, good song. Good song. I, 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 just, I love that song. Off the same album from Nothing Compares to you and uh you know if we were putting in one album people i would vote yes but since her career was very short and she kind of sabotaged herself um i have to vote no 
It's a very difficult one for me because the talent is, again, unreal with Sinead O'Connor. An unbelievable talent. And in a way, almost defines the term rock and roll with her rebellious attitude and the way that she was willing to try to stand up for things. And, of course, everybody, you know, fam- most famously the issue with the Pope on Saturday Night Live. But I'm ultimately forced to agree with you that the totality of Sinead O'Connor's career does not stand up enough for me to believe that she is worthy of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame status. So, one I would no one, no one will ever accuse her of being a compiler. No, not at all. Um, again, one that I would I would be cool with it if she got in because I just like Sinead O'Connor that much, right? Like if she got in, I would say. You know, blessings, right? Like all, all good. But separating from this list, I couldn't do it with Sinead O'Connor. Next one, interesting, um, because this is just his solo career that's being considered. Black Sabbath is already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but as a solo performer, Ozzy Osbourne is up for consideration. Um, this is, of course, Crazy Train. <laughs> difficult one because it's tough to separate Ozzy in considering him Ozzy the solo performer and that part of his career from the totality of Ozzy Osbourne the person which includes obviously Black Sabbath but for Ozzy the solo act what say you Spiro well Black Sabbath is in the Hall of Fame yes that's that's about enough for Ozzy Osbourne wow Wow. I mean, if, if Randy Rhodes hadn't have died, maybe his solo career would have been filled with better songs. But unfortunately, Randy Rhodes did die. And I think Ozzy Osbourne, again, he's a guy. Can he sell out arenas all the time? Yep. Yes. But is that enough to get you into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I say no. Wow. I say, Ozzy, you're already in. By the way, I just want to update. You got. We're 13 in. Spiro has two yeses. <laughs> I'm not sure there's going to be another one. Um, th- this this was excruciatingly difficult for me uh, because you recognize like Crazy Train is an I- I- iconic eternal hit. Some as to your point, Spiro. Some of his other solo hits are just songs that they just don't. They mean a lot to a lot of people, and I'm not one of them. Mama, I'm Coming Home does not mean to me what it means to a lot of people, but I have to recognize what it means to a lot of people. No More Tears, Spark at the Moon, these are not songs that mean a ton to me. I have seen Ozzy perform solo. Of course, it was obviously at a much later portion in his life. I recognize the significance of Ozzy, the act. The life of Ozzy Osbourne is obviously worthy of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't know that Ozzy Osbourne's solo career has to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He also just missed my cut. And one that I'd be totally fine with, I think there's a strong argument for, but he just missed the cut for me as I cut it off at at 7. So no is my answer on Ozzy Osbourne. I would like Griffin to attempt to tell us the name of the next nominee on the list. Uh, Sade. Still not quite. We were going over. We were going over the uh, list nominees. It's not Sade. 
Spiro. You think it's Sade? No, it's not. <laughs> Yesterday, if you would have heard this young man attempt to pronounce Sade's name and Sinead O'Connor's name, you would have screamed. It was an unbelievable day for us. How's I'm just glad he's got pants on. Yeah, you know what? It's a good start. Um, here we go. A little taste. I'm assuming I gave you Smooth Operator, right? Yeah. Believe uh, celebrating a 40th anniversary. Smooth Operator. Massive hit. Great song. The legendary Chardet. Spiro, where are you? Yes. Talk me through it. Yes. Why? I think very, very influential. I think great songs. Um, and over a, a, a seven, eight year period. So, yes. Yes. Chardet was uh, also a yes for me, and it was also very close. Like, a, a one that was on the back end. Because the, the hits side of this, not... Not overwhelming, but the talent side, and to your point, the influence, and for a genre of music, how she basically held up a genre of music for a good long bit, yes, is also my answer. And and, and I will say, Glenn, that every time I, and I got a lot of Sharday songs on my iPod, I always feel like I'm on the beach. Yeah, I don't it, know why, but I always feel like I'm on the beach. It just puts me in a good place. I would say that that's what I, when I when I talk about holding up a genre. Sometimes we say someone didn't have biggest hits, but if you like this type of music, Charday was where you went to for decades. I mean, for decades, um, she held up almost an entire genre. So I do think that matters in measuring someone. So I am with you. All right, so we did get at least one more. From Spiro. Finally, the last one on the list, and I think we have debated them before, Spiro, and you kind of said, ah, I'm not the one to talk about it. A tribe Called Quest is last up on the list. Here's a little of a Can I Kick It? Your thoughts on A Tribe Called Quest, Spiro Maricus? I think I'm going to tell you what I told you last year. You can't find 10 people walking down the street that could tell you anything about a tribe. Oh, Name one you're song. You're wrong about that. Yeah. You're wrong about that, Spiro Marikis. Um, unbelievably influential. This is interesting for me, too, because I I almost found myself choosing that I had to pick one between A Tribe Called Quest and Eric B. and Rakim. Um, and I ended up going with A Tribe Called Quest. A Tribe Called Quest checks every box to me. Um, influence, talent, uh, live performances, everything about them. Um, I I am a slam dunk yes on a tribe called Quest once again. So we get through fifteen names. Spiro's not going to have much of a rock and roll Hall of Fame class this year. Spiro, I'm a small room guy. Spiro, I'm a small room. You guy. are that's you. You are you are tough when it comes to this. Spiro has three all solo female acts: Mary J. Blige, Mariah Carey, and Charday. The only that you have getting in. I had those three as well as Dave Matthews' band, A Foreigner, uh, Lenny Kravitz, Oasis, and A Tribe Called Quest getting in. So I've got a bigger group. I've got eight getting in. Uh, Spiro has three getting in. And, and again, I, I need to bring up that, once again, a band that had number one hit, number one albums, three of them, 
in the United States was one of the top five touring bands of the entire decade of the 70s and had a distinct sound, still not showing up on a nomination lift is just an abomination. I'm trying to- and that is Jethro Tull. How oh, that man yeah. got in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I have no idea. So Drew and I did this exercise a couple weeks ago looking over some that aren't, and it's just it's almost unfathomable. Like, Barry White isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Why is that? What? Why? How do you feel about In Excess, by the way? They're not a Hall of Fame band. Okay, all right. I feel something about it. What about some of the more modern acts like Soundgarden, for example? Um, I never liked that guy's voice. What? No. One of the greatest rock and roll voices of all time, Chris Cornell. What? I'm not a fan of Chris Cornell. Oh, man. And I'll probably be divorced when I get home when I said that. That is uh, brutal. That is brutal to me. Uh, Warren Zevon not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, no, no, he's he's. He, uh, uh, I put him like Peter Frampton. Yeah, you know, he, he had some songs know. that people know, and and that's about it. That, that, I mean, he's a great songwriter, absolutely brilliant songwriter. Yeah, um, but no, that last record put him over. The, that last record was so effing good, man. Uh, when he knew he was dying, and like keep me in their heart for a while. That that one. Well, that one did something for me, and it's strong. What about Smashing Pumpkins? How do you feel about them? Yeah, I think they probably deserve to be. Yeah, I think they do, too. I think they do, too. All right. That's where we're at. We're going to put it up at glennclarkradio.com. Spiro, tough on this group of nominees for the Rock and they Roll they got to come up with better lists. It's not I, my fault. It's I, their fault. I thought, that, in fairness, I thought that there was an argument for a lot of people, but I got it. I got in nitpicking that these were not overwhelming. I thought it was not an overwhelming group when it came to nominees to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Tonight, uh, Towson. Tigers, yeah, William Tigers at home Saturday against Navy. Lacrosse should be a great game. And then Thursday next week against Monmouth. And a week from Saturday, Charleston, huge game at TU Arena. Spiro, always appreciate it. Love you, brother. Uh, can we do a can we do a Rolling Stones exercise? I know you're not you don't care about them quite as much as I do, but like, would you be up for the way that we did the Beatles thing years ago? Absolutely. Okay, yeah, I'd absolutely. love before the, I'm going up. I to, have seen the, I've I've seen the Stones live. All right, I'm going up to Philly to see the Stones. I've never seen them. I paid an ungodly amount of money because this is I'm certain my last chance to do it. So uh, before that show, I'd like to have you come in one day and we'll do the, the pick 10 songs thing and we'll do the, the verses Love thing it. that we did with the Beatles. Love you, brother. Love Appreciate all you, right, man. man. Safe travels. Let's talk soon, all right? Bye, Griffin. It's Spiro. <laughs> Spiro We'll uh, see you. Legendary Towson University play-by-play voice and uh, tough, tough Spiro. <laughs> man. He was harsh on this group of rock and roll. This is how he always is, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, but I don't know that it's always three. I feel like he had a a bigger group uh, before. I had to go back, pull up up last year's if you get the chance, and we'll go over it. Uh, Winding down, or actually, we still have a lot to do. I take that back. We're not really winding down. Uh, Hour number two of today's show has been brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is still available for another few days at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox, read it all, pressboxonline.com. It's our annual best of issue. You got the list? Yeah, so last year, his uh, you did do the strong, mild, and no last year. That's he what I thought. three right. strongs, George Michael, 
Willie Nelson, and the Spinners. They all got in, by the way. Uh, and then he was mild on uh, on Cindy Lauper. Help me out here. Cindy Lauper. Lauper. Oh that's what God. I said. Soundgarden and Warren Zevon. Where he none of them. None of them got in. None of them. And got then he in. said no on the rest. But Kate he Bush. but he put six in essentially. Six. Oh wow, you were strong in. on everyone last year. Uh, th- who would I leave out last year? Uh, you left out Kate Bush, who uh, got in. <laughs> good for her. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Joy Division slash New Order. That's it. Those are the only ones that I didn't. You have were mild in. on Cheryl Crow, Iron Maiden. Cheryl Crow got uh, in. Cindy Lauper. 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 Uh. Uh, and then Soundgarden and Martin Seifan. Well, they should have gotten in. I stand by that with Soundgarden. You had Rage in. You had Tribe in. White Stripes. Well, Tribe didn't get in. Obviously, White Stripes Crazy. didn't. How White did Stripes didn't get in. Well, it's funny because like I don't know how they what, like who they choose to put back on the ballot the following year after they didn't get in because a lot of those names, like Cindy Lauper's not back on the ballot this year. I don't know who they choose to put in in consecutive like on consecutive ballots. It makes me wonder if Tribe was close last year, and so they were like, "Dude, put them back on the ballot; they'll get in this year." I don't know. I this year I think Spiro forcing me to do the structure of yes or no was better for me because I would have been mild on a lot of these other, a lot of the ones that I left off. It allows you to be one wishy washy. One thousand percent. I would have said I was mild on Ozzy Osbourne. I would have said I was mild on almost everybody on this list. I think Cher might have been the only one that I wouldn't have been mild on. I just don't think Cher's solo career is worthy of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And his point about uh, auto tune stands out for me as well. I don't. I did not care for Believe. I think there should be a stronger argument for Cool in the Gang. Um, no, I, I would say I was my, like in the way that I wouldn't be offended by it. I wouldn't be offended by it because cool and the gang's fun and everybody's, you know, when you hear a celebration, you're in a good mood. It's a, it's a song, but to me, it's the song a, that would be, that's a rock and roll hall of fame song, not a rock and roll hall uh, of fame. Got get down on it. And yeah, it's a good song. I'm not disagreeing that, but that's that, that exactly. Thank you. Thank you. You've made my argument for me. All right. We'll get that up at glennclarkradio.com. When we come back in, um, we'll preview Stevenson lacrosse, Paul Cantabene. The Hall of Famer will join us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, it's Jeremy Kahn. This postseason, bet in person at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks with locations in Canton and in Towson and enjoy the best in-class sports wagering experience at their state-of-the-art facilities, bringing an unmatched sports betting thrill. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution, and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Discover your next favorite beer crafted in the heart of Charm City. At Guilford Hall Brewery, we believe beer should be flavorful and easy to enjoy. Our meticulously crafted lagers and ales are derived from centuries-old European brewing traditions, a staple for both the seasoned beer aficionado or a novice hophead. Experience beer styles that dare to showcase the exceptionality of simplicity. Visit our restaurant and brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue or view our menu and tap map online at guilfordhall.com. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. 
Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Costas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of special Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steamed crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. One of the things that's definitely wrong with this country is that this dude still has a job somehow, some way. Glenn Clark. Back in here on GCR. A lot of feedback about uh, our Rock and Roll Hall of Fame choices. John from Little Rock, I think, is is ready to give up on the show entirely because of him. Um, I, I would say about like, a bunch of people are mad about Peter Frampton. I, I, I love Frampton Comes Alive, and I'm not trying to say that I don't think he's I, – I think, unfortunately, his the breadth of his career doesn't stand up to others. But as I said – I'm not going to be offended at all by the idea of Peter Frampton being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm totally good with the idea of Peter Frampton being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He just didn't quite make the cut for me in comparison to some of these other acts. So that's that's it for me. Spiro is tougher, obviously. Spiro is extraordinarily tough. I really was kind of stunned by just how strikingly few he had making the list. But, alas, that's what it is. Um, and uh, there's a reason why we do the exercises, because I never fully know. I don't I don't think it's a top-heavy list. And, th- by the way, uh, uh, a couple people from Chris. Chris, sorry, let me pull this back up. Chris says, uh, feel strongly about... Sorry, feel strongly that Ozzy's solo career is absolutely worthy of it. You also have to keep in mind how significant Ozzy managed to keep him. I, I don't think you're. I think you're measuring Ozzy the man versus Ozzy's solo musical career, and it's very difficult to do. Here, trying for my cell phone. 
just just he'll if he doesn't I don't know what what's happening over there. We're doing live producing. But text him from my cell phone if he doesn't answer. Um Ozzy the human is like the embodiment of a rock and roll hall of famer. But he's in. Because Black Sabbath's in. This is a question specifically about Ozzy's solo career and does it stand up? And to me, Crazy Train stands up, but I don't know if everything else stands up. And that's the issue for me with having the debate about Ozzy. John also feels very strongly about Jane's addiction, and I'd be totally good with Jane's addiction. Just the totality of it, the significance in a short burst. That like The debate between Jane's addiction and Oasis was difficult for me. And you could say Jane's addiction, uh, greater significance, greater, more influential than Oasis was, because no one would say Oasis was influential whatsoever. But that was tough. It was tough. I basically chose one of the two and ended up leaning towards Oasis. So that's what it was. It's what it was. I get it. It's why this is fun. It's why we do this. Why don't we, as we try to track down Coach, why don't we go ahead and uh, do the other thing? You good with that? The Yeah? You all right with it? All right. Very good. It's uh, Thursday, and typically on Thursdays moving forward. Oh, you were calling the landline. That's You're texting his work number. Oh, That's good. not going to work. Good. Yeah. Don't do that. Then uh, do you want to try one more yeah. time? Just, just, just. Uh, here. That was the only number I saw, I believe. No, there are two in there. There are two in there. This is the number. <laughs> this one. That one's the one. We're we're killing it over here. This is the type of stuff. This is why we are a well-oiled machine around these parts. We are... Uh, what? You went away, what? It's gone. What do you mean it's gone? I, I lost it. I, and I don't know how your phone works. Oh, for God's sakes, Griffin. This is the reason why you guys tune in. This right here. This is the reason. Ay, ay, ay. That one right there. So going so well. Hi, Glenn Clark, Glenn Clark Radio. Today's show brought to you. Uh, this one's brought to you by Toyota. It's a proud sponsor of County Sports Zone. We love County Sports Zone. County Sports Zone is where you go for everything. I mean, everything related to local high school sports. Scores, schedules, standings, all of it. County Sports Zone, countysportszone.com, or countysports.zone, proudly sponsored by Toyota. Check out County Sports Zone. All right. Send a text. Go ahead, hit the open. We'll figure it out. We'll do both things. We got to keep moving. We can't just keep uh, stumbling all over our words or continuing to talk about the disappointing news out of Oriole Spring Training. We'll figure out what's going on. Just send a text. It's Fighting Words with Griffin Bass. Fighting Words brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. Stan Ross and Scotty McGregor got together earlier this week. If you missed it, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Or pressboxonline.com slash video fighting words. If you've not been with us, if you're a newcomer to the show, Griffin loves fighting. Loves fighting with me. 
That's not what this is about, though. Of course, yes. He likes. Uh, he's a big UFC guy. I force him to say you can't just focus on the UFC because, you know, there's there's other things. Although this weekend there aren't. Yeah, this, this weekend Tyson it Fury is, uh, fight it is, is not a UFC happening. weekend. Uh, uh, I am totally out on the UFC, but I right, I, I get it. There are still some people that care. So what's going on? There? Um, maybe not for too much longer, but uh, yeah, UFC 298 is this Saturday. Um, it's a, it's it's a great one. Uh, it's uh, Alexander Volkanovski versus Ilya Tuporia. Um, I assume have you heard of this guy Ilya Tupor- Tuporia? No. He's undefeated. This is the featherweight uh, championship, uh, and uh, so Volkanovski obviously is a longtime featherweight champ. He did have two losses last year against Islam Makachev. Um, at, that was at lightweight, however, and then the most recent was in October when Volk uh, jumped in on, on short notice, and he did proceed to get knocked out by Islam. Um, so that might explain the line. It was I know earlier earlier in the week it was uh, it was uh, it was a dead pick'em, um, which was just kind of surprising, just given you know the run of dominance that. Volkanovski's had, um, but you know, then you think about it, and he's getting older. Uh, this guy Taporia is undefeated. He's been he's looked really, really good uh, in his in his uh, what he's had like five or six, maybe seven UFC fights. He's looked really good in all of those, knocking guys out. He submitted Bryce Mitchell. Uh, Bryce Mitchell uh, is he's a bit of a whack job, but he's really good. He's a really good grappler, and he submitted Bryce Mitchell, um, which just you know no one's ever done. Uh, so that was very impressive, and it's done enough to earn him a, a title shot here. Uh, big opportunity for Taporia, and what are the uh, what are the odds? They are now, I believe it was. I think Volk shifted to a slight favorite, minus one twenty. Okay. Um, he always minus one thirty right now, so you're getting plus money, plus one ten on Taporia. Um, but you know, this is just kind of the it's kind of the conversation I feel like uh, that we're having with uh, you know Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady now. It's I feel like Volkanovski is just like. You know, he's just that good. He's never lost at this weight class. He has three losses, but all of those are at different weight classes, uh, at heavier weight classes. He, I mean, he's he's the featherweight boogeyman. No one's beaten him. Max Holloway, I thought, was probably one of the greatest featherweights that we've ever seen, and he has substantially beaten Holloway three times now. So I'm not sure who's going to do it. I think Taporia could be a champion, uh, you know, down the road. But I think right now we're still in uh, we're still in Volk's era, so to speak, and uh, and I think it should be a really good fight. Like I wouldn't be. Totally shocked if uh, Taporia won, but uh, you know to 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 make a pick in this fight, I I I, I can't go against Alexander Volkanovski. Okay. So that's, right. that's how I see it going. Uh, the rest of the card's very good as well. Um, Robert Whitaker and Paulo Costa are the other is the uh, co-main event at uh, at middleweight, um, which is another exciting one. Paulo Costa, it's I mean it's Robert Whitaker, like he's 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 the best. Uh, I don't I think it's going to be Robert Whitaker again in this one. I mean. He's still he's still a pretty big favorite, uh, which maybe you might be a little surprised by, but he just because he got knocked out by Adrikus Duplessis, who is now the middleweight champion. So, um, you know, I think Whitaker has only lost to guys that have gone on or are, were champions. Um, Paul Costa, I don't think is that. The last we saw him was him unable to knock out Luke Rockhold eighteen months ago. Um, so How I old think is Luke Rockhold. Gosh, he is so. He's got to be like forty. Yeah, right? it was crazy. They, I think it was twenty twenty, the summer of twenty twenty two when they fought. Um, so like I mean that's the thing though you know could Whitaker's chin totally be gone now after getting knocked out by Duplessis? Thirty nine, so I guess it would have been thirty eight at the time. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so, I mean Luke Rockhold had every time he's lost, it's been in spectacular knockout fashion. And Paulo Costa, who was supposed to be known for his power, was not able to knock out Luke Rockhold. So that makes you uh, 
definitely lean towards uh, Robert Whitaker, and I think uh, I think Bobby Knuckles uh, should be able to get that one done as well against Paulo Costa, and probably however he wants to, whether he just wants to pick him apart on the feet and eventually, uh, you know, or go to the ground. I mean, he could do whatever he wants. Ian Gary, this is uh, the Irish, the Irishman um, at middleweight. And uh, he's a big favorite over Jeff Neal. It's a, it's a, it's a. This is another really good fight because Ian Gary is, you know, probably he's a, there's a or sorry, welterweight. My my apologies, welterweight at 170. Uh, so this is because Ian Gary. I'm just I'm just trying to paint the paint the path here for Ian Gary to to get to a, get to a, a championship fight against. Right now, Leon Edwards is the 170 uh, belt holder, and uh, you would think that Ian Gary should be able to take down Jeff Neal. Um, and, uh, and I think he does, I think he does do just that. Ian Gary has already beaten, uh, sorry, pulling up, uh, yeah, he already beat Neil Magny and Daniel Rodriguez, uh, and, and he's, uh, he's, he's a really exciting, he started as a prospect and now, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's Ian Machado Gary. And, uh, people, thing people don't like about him is some people don't like that he took his wife's last name. That's why he is, uh, Ian Machado Gary. And that's what, uh, you know, UFC fans choose to, to get, uh. Excited about very here. serious, very right. serious group. Um, of people. And then the fourth fight from the top is Marabdi Valishvili versus Henry Cejudo, and that ah. is the one. Yeah, that's the one ah. I'm very excited about. I, th- I mean, Marab should win. Okay. And uh, and Henry and Henry Cejudo, even though he's an Olympic uh, wrestler, yeah. Marab is known for his wrestling, and he's he's just completely stumped all everyone right. wrestling. Right. Very good. So this is all UFC 298 coming up on Saturday night. Um, I will not be watching. <laughs> I don't know how else there is to say it. I like Henry Cejudo though. I'm a I'm a fan of his, but not enough for uh, me to be to move me to overcome my lack of interest overall in the UFC in order to get out. Do you want to quickly? Uh, by the way, is why am I not seeing Cejudo's fight listed on here? Whatever. Uh, you want to? Do you have a bet? Oh, there it is. I see it. Where are you looking at? No, I got it. We're good. I was looking on Google. Okay. Uh, do you have? Uh, uh, so I would like to parlay uh, those last three fights I just mentioned because they're all Mackenzie like, Dern is on the prelim. Yes, Mackenzie Dern is the featured prelim. <sighs> I hope she wins. I don't think she's going to. She looked really, really bad against uh, against uh, Jessica Andrade a couple months Rough. ago. She is. She has. She not. She offers nothing on the feet as as a, as a boxer, and that's you know Amanda Lemos uh, has. Is a good boxer, and you know if, if it goes to the ground, it's it's probably over. But I just Mackenzie Dern doesn't have much of a of a takedown, much much of like okay. m- offensive wrestling in order to get. All right, down, build so. me quickly. What's your parlay? Uh, Marab over Henry Cejudo at minus two forty. Ian Gary minus two forty over Jeff Neal, and then Robert Whitaker currently at minus two seventy on Superbook over Paulo Costa. That is plus one, yeah, plus one seventy-five. Okay, so you got riding with the favorites, obviously. I think they all win. There you go. But that'll uh, go do that at the Superbook and use the code Glenn Clark twenty-three when you sign up. You'll receive up to two hundred fifty dollars in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. Thank you, Griffin. Appreciated that. That was fighting words. Now, Saturday night, the season gets underway for our friends out at Stevenson's. They host Muhlenberg seven o'clock at Mustang Stadium. Joining us now. The Hall of Famer, the head coach of the Mustangs. He's Coach Paul Cantabene, and he's with us here on GCR. Coach, what's going on, brother? How are you? Not much. Just living the dream, buddy. You know, getting ready to get this thing kicked off. How you been doing? I've been doing all right, man. I, I guess we're both in misery, right? Like the, the Bills and the Ravens, like both both really yeah. yacked it up when they had their chances against the Chiefs. Like I sat there, I'm sure, I'm sure that was tough for you on Sunday. There was a lot of vibes around here like, should have been us, and I bet the Bills fans probably feeling the same way. 
Yeah, I was hoping for the power outage, you know, yeah. so we didn't get it though. Yeah. So didn't work out that but, way. Uh, close there, you know. We just we had it. Got to make a kick, you know. Give ourselves a chance. So, so you know, gotta, man, <laughs> that wide right for killing oh, us for a long time. God, I can only <laughs> imagine how it feels for Bills fans. All right, coach. <laughs> so I look at your team, and I what I see on paper is strong defense, a lot of pieces back, everything looks good. Maybe a few more question marks on the other end. Is that about right for this team going into the season? Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of new guys. You know, we're uh, especially in the offensive end and in the midfield and at midi D and uh, you know facing off. But you know, we do have a majority of our guys back on defensively, which is great. Uh, but you know, we do have some holes to fill. But we think that practice has been going great, and we have some guys who are, who are filling in those holes and doing really well. But you know, we and we've had two good scrimmages to sort things out, and hopefully we'll make it all right Saturday night. I'm guessing that uh, Jack Scaliti and Grant Zick are a part of it, but what do you think that first attack group and that first you know midfield looks like at the moment? Well, you know, Jack and uh, Grant, are, you know, they're two of the best middies in the country, we yep. think. You know, they're so multifaceted. They can play both ends of the field. They can shoot it. They can pass it. Uh, they're Dodgers. You know, so they really can do so much for us, and we're going to ask a whole lot out of them. But, you know, we're going to have some new people in there as well, you know, um, Hunter Brand, a freshman from Urbana High School, who had who's a you know a six foot midi and you know an old school type guy, tough to shoot it really well. Was going to play a lot. Wow. Um, Colin Dobbins, who's a, last year didn't play a ton for us. He's a big six foot four midi that's going to play a lot. Andrew Sears has done a great job getting back, so he's healthy and back from his knee injury a year ago. So we have Andrew back, and then uh, you know we have a midfielder uh, from Siena, graduate transfer Stephen Rink, who's going to see a lot of time. Well, he's another six foot three, six foot four midi um, in there, and so you know we think we have six or seven middies. It's like Luke Wetzel, who's going to play a lot more midfield than attack this year, and Jared Neheim, who's another kid who transferred from um, Palm Beach Atlantic, and so you know those guys are going to play a ton for us in the midfield. And they have lots of options, and they're all big, strong, and fast. And then, you know, at the attack spot, you know, we're probably, you know, we returned Dylan Linhart, which is great. But uh, you're going to see some new faces in there. You know, Mac Rasick, he's uh, an attacking force, a lefty. He's going to start for us. And a New Jersey kid, he's, gonna, he's had a great fall. Uh, you're going to see Gavin Gossin. He's a freshman from California. He's had an excellent fall and spring. So he's going to start. And then coming off the bench, you're going to see another freshman named Darrell Curtis, who's uh, one, of the be- one of the best shooters in the country, we think, and just coming along, learning his way. So you're going to see some new guys. But, I think we were a little bigger uh, than we were a year ago. We can shoot a little bit better than we uh, we did a year ago okay. and a little better dodging. So I think that's going to help us uh, do that. And I think we'll probably be a little simpler in offense and as complicated as we were in the past. So is it with all these new faces? I mean, I, I remember, of course, a brand of Stevenson lacrosse, which was Mike D'Antoni-esque, which was let's take, you know, a, a million shots. With this many new faces, do you expect the pace to slow down a little bit because of the confidence you have in your – like, what, what does this look like? Or are you so confident in your defense you say, nah, why would we slow down the pace? I trust these guys, they got to go back to work. Well, I think that, you know, one of the things that we, we want to get transitioned. So, you know, we think we got talented guys with sticks at the defensive end of the field with uh, Quinn and Malidi and uh, um, Eddie – Masterson bringing the ball up the field and our midi D's are great. Brendan McNeely and Robbie Vandergalt and Carter Greer, who's a freshman, and Tepper and Nathan West, another freshman. We think we have guys that we can run from defense to offense. So if we can run, we're going to run. And we're going to ride a lot. You know, we're going to try to get uh, get out there and ride and get some easy possessions. But, you know, one of the things we did great last year is that we only turned the ball over uh, 13 and a half times a game, which was fourth in the country. So, you know, we think we want to take care of the ball and make teams pay. 
uh, for their mistakes. And so I think we're talented enough to do that. But so we're going to want to try to play a blend of, you know, playing fast, try to get easy goals, but also at the same time be disciplined enough to let our defense rest and give them a chance. Paul Cantabene, head coach Stevenson with us. They get the season underway Saturday night against Muhlenberg. Uh, coach, obviously, what's near and dear to your heart at the faceoff dot, uh, you, you, you lose Justin Bordner. Is it internal? Does it come from Connor Halpin and Garrett Goudreau, or is there somebody else that gets into the mix this year? Well, I think Connor Halpin's had a great fall. You know, he's really come on. So he's going to be our starter off the gate, and uh, he's done a great job. He's much better than a year ago, but – we're going to also rely on some freshmen. I think Garrett's going to get in there and help us. But Brad Bennett, he's a freshman from uh, York County. He's done a great job. And Connor Junay, who's a transfer from St. Francis, who's a St. Paul's kid. He went to play D1 football for a while, then transferred to us. And I think he's going to be pretty good. So we got some guys I think we can go to. I think we'll be much more competitive there. We're more athletic. Guys handle the ball better. And so I really like kind of what we're doing at the faceoff dot right now. And uh, the guys have really bought into it. So I think we're in a pretty good position there. Uh, always helps when you have confidence in your goalie coming back. And uh, Justin Scorey's played really well for you a season ago. He did. And he did. And he's playing really well right now. And But I think he's got you know his defense in front of him. All guys that are returners and Jack and Fields and Nick Mollevy and Ryan Quinn, they're all back in front of him to help him out. And so, but, you know, you got to help him. So I think he did a great job last year being that brick wall for us. And we got to give him a little more help this year so he can be as successful as we all want him to be. But he's a leader for us. And, you know, we're glad he's back. He's, he's definitely going to be a big part of our success. Coach, you know, the, the the thing, right, like you you have a championship standard at Stevenson. And unfortunately, it's been, you know, I know the pandemic was in there, but it's been a few years since you guys have won the championship. And I know York coming to the conference has changed a lot of things. But how how significant is that right now like for every guy in this program to say we we've got to change this and we got to get back to being the team that's the team to beat within this league yeah you know so it's a big thing for us we always talk about that and you know you know our guys want to win and i think they're doing a lot of the right things to do that you know we play a, a very very difficult schedule you know we're going to play uh, seven of our nine games are against teams that are ranked in the top 15 you're, you're insane you know, that's, that's a very tough schedule and uh, so i don't do our teams any favor with the schedule but we got to start winning those games we've been we have to be a better team in the fourth quarter we've been in a lot of these games in the fourth quarter and we have to be a better team in the fourth quarter to win those things and we think we've worked on that a lot in situations and everything our guys understand what's on the line they understand that you know they're standing on the shoulders of the people that came before them and they want to win and do that, and we're trying to do that. So it's a process, but I think we're a lot closer to solving that riddle now than we were a year ago. You know, it's so funny. When I looked at the schedule for this year, I was like, oh, Muhlenberg, right? That's probably a good way to start. I didn't realize how good Muhlenberg had gotten in recent years. Like, I'm yep. like, God, man. Did you, did you give these guys a break for a change? <laughs> that's what we like to do. You know, you want to play the best to be the best. So here on Saturday nights, playing the best teams in the country, that's what you want to do, and I think it helps us a lot. And we're going to be just fine. I think our growing, our team's going to be a hell of a lot better in uh, six weeks than we are right now with those young guys playing. And I think we're going to be just fine. I got a feeling we shoot it pretty well. They move the ball pretty well. We do a lot of the things that will get off. We're better off the ground. We do a lot of the things that we need to be better at. And so I think we're really working towards that. And the character of these guys is really high. So, I mean, they're doing a lot of great things. We just got to maintain the course all right i like the sounds of that I, I, and i certainly hope that proves to be the case is uh, we're ready for that no doubt about it yeah all we're right working out. all right coach everything else good with you how's the family how's curry doing everything good yeah they're all good curry's the man you know and my daughter lily's uh the bomb she's up at shippensburg right you know, playing 
Yeah, and uh, my wife, you know, the you know the director of ops, she's doing great. So I don't get to see him as much as I like this for the next couple months, but uh, they're all good, you know. It's the life of a coach, you know what I, I mean? So I complete, what it is. I completely – you signed up a long time ago. I utterly understand yeah. it, man. Uh, 29th can't, year. Man, 29th <laughs> year. Holy smokes. Yeah. God. Yep. All right, Coach. Well, I will see you out there on Saturday night. Uh, look forward right. to it. Always appreciate you. Best of luck. We'll be talking throughout the course of the year, all right? All right. Thanks, Glenn. Coach Go pa- Stangs. Go Bills. <laughs> Coach Paul Cantabene from over at Stevenson. Appreciate him taking the time for us. They can get ready for the opener Saturday night, 7 o'clock against Muhlenberg. Was there anything else you needed to get into fighting words? Was there anything else that's um, so scary important? Not think? like scary important, but I just wanted to you know talk about how much I dislike the Apex, oh. which is where they have like the basement essentially of these right. UFC uh, headquarters, where they which was very useful, you know, over COVID. You know, it allowed them to uh, you know have events every single week where you know there was limited you know exposure between mm-hmm. people. Um, but now it's kind of ridiculous that they continue to do it week in and week out, and it's just it's it makes it kind of really so depressing. There's no atmosphere there. Yes, there's, there's no... zero atmosphere. And over the last two weeks, I got very upset, especially this past weekend, because they were in Vegas. The Super Bowl was there. Like it's true, there was so many people there. They couldn't have just found you know some you know little theater or or you know any small arena and people. I mean, there would have been they could have easily you know sold out like. I, I, would, I would be interested in why they do it. That like I don't know if they feel like if if I would think it's really easy. Like just, part of it is definitely yeah. that it's really easy. They don't have to go set anything up. They don't mm-hmm. have to. It's already there. There's a structure. The whole thing. I also wonder if what they found is that there are certain people that are willing to spend an ungodly amount of money in order to get that like up close experience. Maybe and so it's I, worth the trade off for them. But I get it. I look. I've never watched an Apex card because again, I barely watched. It takes something the unbelievable. Yes. They're in Anaheim anymore. this weekend, fortunately, because yeah. it's a pay per view. They, they run better shows be. in Anaheim all the time. Yeah. Uh, um, well, city. so I mean, because well, because I did want to look into it, and so in 2019, this was yeah. obviously the year right before COVID. They had 42 events in the UFC. Every single one was in a different city, and they were doing them in cities like Wichita, and and uh, mm-hmm. they were going, you know. Uh, abroad as well, they had uh, they had seventeen or sorry, no, looking at a different number, but they had several uh, so a ton of events like abroad. They were doing fights in in Uruguay, like fight nights in Uruguay, in Prague, South Korea, Denmark had a card, China had a card, Sweden, um, Brazil, Canada, Australia all had like two or three cards each, um, and then they were doing them in cities like San Antonio and Sacramento. DC had a card, Philly had a card. This was twenty nineteen. I know Rochester I, had I, a card. I know my guy Tucker Lutz has struggled, but what about um, the guy that got his deal last year? Oh, uh, um, uh, Dylan uh, uh, Butka. Yeah. Dylan Butka. What's he ha- does not have a fight scheduled yet, as huh. far as I've seen. That's it's a bummer. Yeah, that's it a is bummer. a bummer. It is a bummer. Maybe true. it means that they want to slow roll him a little more. I don't know. Mm. I'm not sure. Uh, right. I'm not sure what the delay could be there. But that's a All definitely right. a fair point. And and then so in last year and then so last year mm-hmm. there were 17 events in the Apex already in 2024. Seven of the first 12 UFC events I mean, are going to be in the Apex. Look, the the part that they would never say is you just wonder if it's gotten more difficult with the fight nights because this is the top the top falling down. There are so fewer brands now in the, the UFC than there were once upon a time. There are so fewer. The only brand you're now selling is the UFC itself, right? That I wonder if there has been a trickle down effect where it's been difficult to get some of the buildings they had ran in the past for a fight night card 
to say who are you bringing here? Like what? Yeah, what I, does the card look like? And I feel like, but I I feel like if they get this in front of a, a live rabid crowd, that like even even if it is a guy you've never heard of, if this guy's knocking somebody out, I, I understand that. I just wonder if mind. it's more difficult for the buildings I do. to give them the dates to say yes, we will give yeah. you a Saturday night, which is there. For example, we talked about this with Frank Remish before. Frank Remish is like, I'm not doing sports here, and not he's not saying none, but like he's not doing second rate sporting events because the nights they want to get the best crowds friday saturday nights he can get a better crowd for a concert on those same nights so he's not giving away dates like he doesn't want to go to a you know a a g league basketball team and say you can have x dates and then have billy joel that's an extreme because he's playing stadiums but you know what i mean like a, a true arena act right. that's going to sell legitimately 16,000 tickets come in and say, hey, we wanted Saturday the you know the 17th of November. So he's just saying, I'm not doing those. I need to have those dates available. And I get it. The trade-off for the UFC is it's only one date. But I do just wonder if some of these venues have said, dude, I, your fight night cards aren't good enough they're not worth it and that is a fair us. point like there seem there definitely seems to be the, the 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 top of the ufc i think is still very very good but when we get to these all these undercard fights they are at, at this point they are very I, much and i would push back that the top is still very good I, like i'm saying for a fight fan it might be but for yeah. casual fans there's less there's less there's startling, very little that yeah. is attracting casual fans at this point very little. Like when you look at this court, what you have Henry Cejudo. Yeah, I like Henry Cejudo. And Alexander Volkanovski. Yeah. Those, I guess, might yeah. be the only two. Yeah, and Robert by the way, and I'm, I, I'm on the, I'm on the higher end. I think of, of casual. That. I think the average person would still say, yeah, that doesn't mean anything to me. Um, um, I was, ju- I just feel like when I, when I look at any of these random 2018, 2019 right. fight nights that they had I, on the undercard, there were guys, there were, there were I, guys and girls that your were future title challengers. Is that like maybe they go into venues, and this is might might be one of the UFC's problems that they say we have no interest in running what um uh, I don't know, PFL ran the what's the concert venue in DC the, the, oh. the Anthem they did shows at the Anthem which is. Right, for concerts, a very wonderful, nice venue. But for sporting events, it's an extraordinarily small venue. There's almost no seats in the entire venue. There's a handful of seats. It's basically a floor, then with a handful of seats surrounding it. So to get the atmosphere that you're talking about, it might require you to say, we got to run one to 2,000 seat buildings. And the UFC says, for us to come in, to build and construct our stage, our operation for a one to two thousand seat event, yeah. not worth it for us. And they not, were I mean, back in twenty nine, like in Wichita and in, in Rochester, they were consistently, you know, selling eight, nine, ten thousand easily for and, fight nights. For fight nights, and, I'd have to know who was on those cards. Um, I mean, they were. Um, I don't, it's not worth. We, we are. We are way too I, in the weeds. I was looking at it last way night. Way too in the but, weeds. And the fighters don't like it. I was. No, no, I get it. I, earlier. I, yeah. I understand that. Like, I, look again. I don't watch the Apex, but I remember during COVID, like looking at it at one point and saying, "Yeah, there's nothing there." Mm-hmm. Now, again, at the time, that and, was that wasn't weird because at the time there was nothing anywhere. People couldn't go to the games. People could like. You had to get used to there being no atmosphere at sporting events. But I get it. Now it's weird. Now it stands out. You watch one of those cards, and it's like you're like watching like the, – the WWE went to Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia threw a ton of money at them. The first time they went, it was like nothing but 
oil tycoons sitting around and just sitting, just wealthy people, probably evil, heinous people, probably. Um, I don't know that, but let's, come on. Yeah, okay. And there's just no reaction from the crowd whatsoever. Like, it's just all these, mm, you know, yeah. like that. Yeah. And I get it. I understand why as as a... No, this is awesome chance. And... Yeah, nothing like that. There's nobody... Now, they changed that in the years they went back. I still have a lot of problems with their relationship with Saudi Arabia, but that's a conversation for a different day. Um, so the there was a fight they did they did do one last year in Vegas at the the theater at the Virgin Hotels in Vegas and this is like a three four thousand person capacity and this fight I mean this fight night was awesome like I, and maybe it was just because we get so many Apex cards it was nice to yeah, but like why it. can't like this they could still be in Vegas right, and, and they would and, and just their have a couple answer would be the cost to rent the hall and then to go set everything up and do all of that the trade off isn't worth it. That would pro- if I had to guess, that's their answer. And the other now, thing, you're saying that you're only thinking about hard dollars, and what the part that you're missing is the viewer experience, and you can't quantify that. And I've talked about that a million times. We can talk about that with the Orioles not sending their broadcasters to Sarasota. In the Orioles' mind, if they save any dollars, it's worth it. If they save any money whatsoever, because in their mind, it doesn't make a difference. It's a spring training game. Why would anyone care if they're there or not? It's not. The baseball is not important. It doesn't matter. Whereas the Orioles fan would say, yeah, but we still like to hear about, like, hey, at breakfast this morning I was chatting. With, like, it's such a small yeah. thing, but it adds – but there's no way to quantify that. We'd love to see Seth Johnson, you know, pitch. Well, like, yeah, but you can still – the games they're going to broadcast, you'll still st- still be able to see him pitch. That's the Orioles' argument. They're going to broadcast a certain number of games. You'll see those games. You'll see the pitchers play. The broadcasters just won't be there. And to them, it's saving a dollar. Right. That's it. And they don't know the trade-off of the quality of the broadcast being lessened. They, they can't quantify that. It's just a hard dollar save for them. And that's the other thing about you know the viewer that I that really peeved me over the last two weeks with these these ESPN Plus Apex cards is that you know th- I don't understand why they can't show the viewer the walkout either. I mean that's one of my favorite things. I like them mm. throwing up the the, the short. Li- it's not even a deep in depth bio of a guy, but it's you know just what he did over his last two mm. or three fights, where he came from, and they don't even necessarily need to have the broadcasters talk over. They like I don't know if it is like too difficult to have the broadcasters you know have Daniel Cormier you know just literally recite what this guy did over his last two or three fights um and i really enjoy the walkouts and they don't show that and instead espn plus they don't even play commercials they just play this recycled slate it's 15 seconds long if that and they play it for like two or three minutes maybe longer straight and that's it's just i, I can't stand i, I, I wonder can't if that's stand an international it. thing where like in other countries they are still showing commercials yeah. i don't know uh, I, I don't, it's, I don't. And, and anyway the, 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 the over the last two weeks it's also annoying to subscribe to espn plus and still mm-hmm. have to get commercials but i i get it like, and it's well it's not even a commercial it's just an espn plus thing right and they're the, like running like oh we have these 30 for 30s but it's, it's just yeah. like a music bed that that it's the same 10 seconds it's over. what it is, over. man. Um, it's what it is. So over the last two weeks, I've been very, very disappointed with the U.S. I don't know. I th- so the answer was no, but I let you go with it anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really uh, and that was the other thing. So Power Slap oh, God, was, on, no, was on Friday no, night. I'm not, no. talking about, I'm not talking about what Power Slap is, but that was – like this is just the point. My, my mom asked me about Power Slap. She was like, hey, did you see this Power Slap thing? And like the fact that Power Slap is ga- garnering more attention now than, than the UFC because Power Slap had their event Friday night in Vegas, and they had – People there, like Don, like uh, Cowboy Cerrone was there. Tom Brady and Travis Scott were there. Great and like great. I don't understand why the UFC can't try to 
capitalize a little bit on. Let's let's wrap up. Let's I, wrap I, up. I, I'm very disappointed. Uh, but yeah, two ninety eight. This there one. you go. There you go. That's Griffin. Go bet that parlor. Tidbit is brought to you today. I'm watching for now by uh, Goose Flights. Love Goose Flights. Available all over town. Cans available at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton, as well as at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane. Also. You can find Just Cans at Your Neighborhood Glory Days Grill. All of the Glory Days Grill locations in the state of Maryland have cans available. Cans and six-packs available at Guilford Hall Brewery and Station North. Also available at the Costa Sin and Dundalk. Six-packs and cases of Goose Flights are available at the Wine Source in Hamden. One ninety-eight from every can sold goes to benefit the Goose Flights Foundation, the work that Tony Saragusa's family is doing to continue his legacy, providing non-emergency medical transport for those in need. It's a delicious lager. Go get it today. Find out more at pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights. Uh, Auburn became the only Division One team. see the uh, Bo Jackson thing last night? Uh, I saw he was there. He was right? there. Somebody like approached him, to ask for a selfie, and he was like, no, watch the game. <laughs> Watches Auburn blows out South Carolina. Uh, Jeff Perlman, of course, did the Bo Jackson book, said he's notoriously prickly. Like, mm. notoriously. Mm. Uh, they became the first team in at least the last 40 years in college basketball to face an opponent with an 850 or higher winning percentage with at least 20 games played. South Carolina was 21-3 and entering the game uh, and then beat them by 40 points mm. as uh, as Auburn beat them, what, 101-60, to I think. Uh, Auburn over South Carolina. Uh, and then Steph Curry, we talked about at the beginning of the show. On Saturday, he did make nine three-pointers in their win over... That was the Suns game, right? Th- thanks for the reminder. It was his 44th game with nine three-pointers. Mm. The second most has 13 games. It's not... That's not. I thought you were about to say that was the second games, most of all time. I was like, how is that uh, possible? It is by far and away the most. Yeah. 31 clear of second place yeah i mean that's not surprising uh you know we're i guess all right try to round out the top five here five right. yeah i need five others ray allen ray allen has not done this they've all done this at least five times ray allen has not done it five times that's stunning i mean that's really stunning um well, how many times has ray allen done it man that's i i i, I don't it's, it's absolutely shocking that ray allen done it uh he hasn't he has not done it more than twice and I think he's made the second threes. most threes of all time. That's who Steph Curry broke the Maybe record. If I, uh, That's stunning. Change my parameters to like six three-pointers made. I, I don't show know. Up, it's just weird that Ray Allen's not on the list. Um, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is second on the list with 13. Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is third on the list with 12. Uh, James Harden. James Harden is fourth on the list. With nine games of nine three-pointers made. LeBron. Not LeBron. Yeah, yeah there's, two, there's two guys tied with five games each. These will be tougher, so i am probably give them to you in a second here. Reggie Miller? Not Reggie Miller. Uh, one is no longer in the league, but, like, you'll... I don't know. It's going to be tough to get, but once I give it to you, you'll be like, okay, yeah. One's no, one's no See, he is a... I believe he, when he was hired from the NBA, he went on to be a collegiate golfer. Oh, um, yeah, uh, uh, Smith. J.R. Smith. Yeah, J.R. Smith. Five such games of nine three-pointers. crazy. Yeah. And then this guy is an active player with the – he's in Portland, I believe. Well, how would anybody know who plays for Portland? Besides DeAndre Ayton, who I It is totally not DeAndre know. Ayton. No, I'm, I'm very aware that it's not DeAndre Ayton, but that would <laughs> require – He's having a pretty good year for – 
Portland. Averaging 23 points a game. Wow. Really? Yeah. Probably their only player. I guess Aiden sometimes. Uh, well, I would have. So it's not somebody's Scoot, gonna score points. It's for not him. Scoot Henderson. It then. is not Scoot Henderson. Who else plays for? Yeah, see if you can name another Trailblazer. <laughs> I'm not sure that I can. Uh, has he been anywhere else that I would? No. Let's see, where do you go to college? I don't even know. I genuinely. You're, I don't, don't think know. you're going Anthony Simons. Really? Anthony Simons has five games of nine three-pointers made. How about that? All right. There, was he Memphis? Um, or I just think that because Anthony Hardaway is the coach. <laughs> is that reason why I think that Anthony Simon, Simmons? Is it Simons or Simmons? I thought it was uh, Simmons. Simons. Yeah, I thought it was Simmons as well, but it is Simons. Are you sure? Anthony, uh, yes, it's S-I-M-O-N-S. But that doesn't mean it's not pronounced Simmons. I'm almost positive it's Simons. I, be- I, I believe you, but are you basing that on anything real or are you just saying that? He was drafted out of high school. That's okay. why uh, he did not go to out of IMG. Not want to know. I'm pretty sure it's Simons. While it, you do that, I want to like remind you. Right. Uh, tonight like at right. the Green Turtle. Yeah, well, that's who's brought. That's who Tubular is brought to you by. Is the Green Turtle? Yes, of course. Uh, where you can get a free ten dollar bet. Maybe place it on that parlay again. It was a uh, Marab, Ian, Gary, and Robert Whitaker plus one seventy five. Uh, free ten dollar bet on uh, anything you want there if you, if you don't trust me over at the Green Turtle Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton. Experience the ultimate destination for game day excitement, great food, and live in-person betting. So go check out the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Towson and Canton. Pick up your free bet and make some money while enjoying some food and and uh, sports. Towson, William and Mary, 7 o'clock on Flow Spo- Sports, unfortunately. But you can listen on TowsonTigers.com. Or listen to Spiro. Uh, ESPN Plus, UMBC Binghamton at 6 o'clock. I believe uh, UMBC four-and-a-half-point dogs on the road. Towson six-and-a-half-point favorites against William & Mary. Big Ten Hoops tonight on BTN. Northwestern Rutgers, 6.30. Minnesota-Purdue at 8.30. Uh, the duel at Daytona tonight at 7 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. Uh, Iowa women, of course, that means Caitlin Clark. Tonight, 8 o'clock against Michigan on Peacock. And Bucks Grizzlies, 8.30 at TNT as they wrap up the first half of the NBA season. ESPN Plus and Hulu for Stars Predators, 8 o'clock. Golf Channel for round one of the PGA's Genesis Invitational, which does indeed include El Tigre, Tiger Woods, playing at mm. that event. And Access TV for Impact Wrestling tonight at 8. Non-sports. Uh, it is the seventh and final season premiere of Young Sheldon tonight oh, God. on CBS. Oh, it's a real tearjerker. I uh, watched um, John Stewart the other night. or I watched it on Paramount Plus, and they were like, they were running some sad song to promote the fi- fina- the final season of Young Sheldon. I don't remember what it was like. Sarah McLachlan or something like that. I'm like, God, come I on. Yeah, I don't think it was that, but it was, <laughs> there was something like that. I'm like, are we really doing this? Uh, Margot Qualley uh, is on, uh, and Queen Latifah on Jimmy Fallon. She was uh, Amelia in The Nice Guys, and she's in this new oh, movie okay. coming out that's called uh, Drive Away Dolls, and, uh, which you, you might so. have seen trailers for already. I think it comes out in two weeks. It's like Pedro Pascal, Matt Damon's in it. It looks. I saw Pedro Pascal's doing. It's uh, a Cohen Brother production. With uh, Marvel announced yesterday the. Um, oh, God. It's Pedro Pascal and uh, Cousin from The Bear, and. Oh, God. What, I just. Damn it. Oh, he's Mr. Mr. Uh, the, the Fantastic. Yeah, uh, the Fantastic Four. four. Yeah, yes. correct. That's exactly what it Vanessa was. Vanessa Kirby, Joe Quinn, Ivan Moss. Yeah, that's that's cousin from the Bears. Gotcha. Eva, I, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce. Bach Rock. Yeah. I don't know. Um. Yeah. Uh, the Vince. Evan. Evan. No, okay. New episode of the Practical Jokers, of course, on True TV tonight, and uh, on Netflix, the Vince Staple Show. 
which is just a show he's doing, I guess, about his life. It actually looks kind of funny. Um, I, the best review I saw is that this will help partially fill the Atlanta-sized hole in my heart. Okay. I'm getting Atlanta vibes from All it. Right. Won't All be right. as good as Atlanta, but... Very good. Thanks today to Paul Cantabene. Thanks to Spiro Marikas. Thanks to Clark Judge and Dan Williams. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tonight, uh, Rita and Glenn, 105.7 The Fan, 6 to 9 p.m. Rita and Glenn and Griffin. I don't know if it's going to be... I don't think it's going to be in the rejoiners. I don't think that's going to be... I'll just jump in right as we rejoin. Oh, is that yeah. that's your plan for tonight? Yeah, Griffin's going to hang out with us. I think Adam Jones is going to join us. I oh. think. I don't know that, though, yet. He's in Spain, so it's mm. tough for him. He was like, he's like, dude, like, there'd be 1230 in my time. I'm like, right, but I think you're up. So we'll see. We'll see. Pitch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> be nice. All right. Uh, that's tonight. And then tomorrow, Stan will be in with us. Anything else? Uh, stuff and things. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. Stan, tomorrow for two hours. Thanks, everybody, Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, Mother's North Grill, A.J. Michaels, Guilford Hall Brewery, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Superbook Sports, Glory Days Grill, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday night. Go Towson, go UMBC. Duke sucks.